Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live, number 223, 223 episodes. It's coming along. <laughs> it's definitely coming along. Uh, I hope everybody had a great week. I had a good week. It was my birthday week, and um, my wife will probably disagree, uh, but I feel like I didn't work that much this week. Uh, kind of took some time here and there, and it was really nice, but... Uh, I say that because every time I say that, she says, I don't think you understand. <laughs> Sometimes I do get carried away with what I got to get done. Um, but uh, exciting stuff. What's going on? I have some updates for you from last week's episode. Obviously, there is people here with already questions in queue. So we'll have some subjects to talk about. And um, what else? Um, thought there was something else. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out as we go. How about that? Uh, uh, Neil says, what did you get? Oh, for my birthday. Well, I got a coffee maker. <laughs> uh, it's a coffee maker I've been wanting, uh, since 2019. In fact, so, you know, this is a true story. Um, I, uh, saw this, I had this cappuccino in this machine uh, at a friend's house, fell in love with it, took a picture of it. That's how I know it was 2019. It was June in 2019. And I took a picture of my phone, you know, to get the brand and stuff. Went home, Googled it, had a, um, a conniption fit, I guess is what you call it. Like, let's just say I was taken back by the price. And, uh, you know, over the years, uh, last couple of years, I've had, uh, you know, my wife's been egging me on, friends have been egging me on to get it. Uh, during COVID, I thought maybe, you know, I'd get it. Um, stuff like that is a little tough for me. Uh, like I said, I'm self-employed. So even when I'm doing well... There's this fear or hint of like the next month or the next quarter won't be well. So, you know, you're always kind of sitting on your success a little bit. You know, whenever I have a good, you know, good month or good quarter, it's like, ah, oh, let's just wait to see how this plays out. Um, and um, anyways, uh, long story short, uh, I uh, needed a new phone, went and got a new phone. And my new phone this is my first phone <laughs> in like four years. And, um, uh, the phone doesn't have an eighth inch jack anymore. This is a, it's a droid or whatever, but it doesn't have a jack. So I have no way to play our headphones. And so we had to go to get Bluetooth headphones. And my wife says to me, Hey, while we're here, we should, we're at the Best Buy. She's like, while we're here, um, you, let's see if they have their coffee machine here. And then I actually said to her, I said, they wouldn't have that here. This is too nice of a machine. And we walked around the corner and it was the first machine there. So she bought it for me. So I got a really nice co uh, coffee that lets me make uh, cappuccinos and coffees like on the fly, kind of like a Keurig, but no cups. That's what I like about it. No, no uh, plastic cups, none of that stuff. It just does it, grinds it and does everything on the, on the fly. So very cool. Very exciting for me because like I said, to say that you got a nice coffee maker is probably exciting to say, but to say that you finally got the one you've been kind of pining over for two years. Very cool. So that was my big expense and birthday gift. Um, and then my daughter made me cuff cupcakes and uh, the family took me to breakfast one of the days. So very cool week to say the least. Um, and I got some, you know what? Another thing is I got some new pickups, <laughs> which um, probably doesn't sound exciting, but it is exciting to me. Um, as you guys know, I've, I've, I've got a few Kiesels over the last few years. You know, I bought a couple, Kiesel sent a couple. Um, and, you know, being new to the brand, you have to learn things. And, uh, you know, I've now experimented and I feel I'm 
pretty confident in what I like. I like the lithium pickups over the beryllium pickups. It's just my choice. And at first I was kind of thinking maybe I like them. The lithium pickups are a little bit more aggressive uh, sounding. And uh, I thought maybe I like them, you know, for the aggressive stuff and then maybe the, the beryllium's or whatever for the cleaner stuff. And really, to be honest, I just like the lithium pickups. So I uh, I uh, reached out to Kiesel and um, because I they didn't have them on their website and I asked if I could get some pickups. So I just got some new pickups. So in my Kiesel behind me, I'm pointing to a Kiesel behind me that has uh, beryllium's. I'm going to be switching them out to uh, lithium's. And then on my Delos, which has beryllium, I'm going to switch out to lithium. But the good news for you guys is well, there's two good news. Um, I went to to purchase the pickups, and Brandon at Kiesel uh, was like, "No problem, man. I'll send them straight to you." And uh, I want to thank them for doing that. That was really kind. They had nothing to get out of this, by the way. They just he just offered to do it. And uh, but the reason why it's good for you guys is. When he did that, I go, I sent him a response email. I said, hey, man, thanks for doing that. Since I have sets of beryllium's and lithium's now, and I have the guitar that lets me change out pickups, I'll do a video comparing the two pickups, and that way give the audience a video, you know, so if they decide to order Kiesel, maybe they can hear the differences between those two humbuckers. So there you go. So I'll be making that video since I have the sets. So there you go. I've, so that's the, my week. That's <laughs> the update. Um, as always, uh, I should mention that, uh, if you're new and you're trying to talk to me or at least uh, it's hard to subject, put a question mark first. So I know it's just directed at me. Obviously I try to address all the super chats as well. Um, and the super chats are just, a, you know, uh, you know, wave people supporting the channel. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> Chris says, Phil tells us guitar nerds that pickups are less exciting than a coffee maker. Well, it's not that they're less exciting. I'm not defending that statement. What I'm saying is, is I didn't wait two years for these pickups. <laughs> so, you know, I probably spent two days in buyer's remorse of the coffee machine. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that's just something that happens, right? Right. You just go, do I really need a coffee maker? Uh, I have a nice coffee maker already. So, um, but, um, all right, <laughs> let's get, uh, thank you guys all. So, so many of you guys, thank you guys so much for the birthday wishes. Really, really kind of you. Very nice. So first thing we got to talk about for sure. There's a couple subjects that were obviously emailed to me all week. And of course you're already echoing them now. A couple things. First, what happened with the amp that I bought from Guitar Center last week? Well, I'm pleasant. Uh, I'm pleased to announce that, uh, it was kind of how I figured it would go. I, um, contacted or reached out to Guitar Center. Um, I did have to reach out to him twice. I'm just giving you the story. Okay. It, it's positive, but I want to give you the, 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 the details. So I, I reached out through the email just their customer service email saying, Hey, I have this issue. This is before I even told you guys on Friday. And then before I told you guys on Friday, I also went to their uh, email address for returns and then emailed them. Um, saying that I had the issue with the, the amp showed up, it's missing the foot switch, it's missing the manual, it's missing other things. And it's, um, you know, and what I didn't know until after, um, I had done the live show on Friday, the tubes weren't in the amp. They were, uh, bubble wrapped and put, you know, somebody bubble wrapped each tube and then put them inside the, 
the amp. Not a problem because they're safe, but I'm just giving you the details. So didn't hear anything back. After the Friday show, I did hear something back. I didn't get the impression that it was because they reacted to the show. I'm just giving you guys my thoughts. Uh, I got the impression it was just customer service got a hold of me. The the gentleman on customer service was not like a, a manager or anybody high up at Guitar Center by any means. It was just somebody who handles this kind of thing and said, but he did say, Hey, I know the channel. Thank you. You know, he's, uh, I'm thinking him, I should say. He said, Hey, I know your channel. I like it. He said, that sucks that it happened. Yeah. Somebody should have contacted you. So let's back up again. So what we're talking about is what happened to me was I ordered a $3,000 amp. I mentioned on Friday that it was expensive. I didn't talk about how expensive. The only reason I'm telling you now is because I've had a couple comments going both directions on this. And I, I want you to understand the weight of the issue. This amp was $2,900 in change is what I paid for the amp. Uh, like I said, it was, uh, I had some gift cards. I had some, you know, I just wanted to make this purchase. So anyways, uh, the important part of the story was they sent one that was a store one from a store, but it was missing, um, the foot switch manual and other things. The amp was not damaged, nor did it, did, did it seem to have any issues. However, it wasn't in the original box and that's going to play a that's going to make sense in a minute why I mentioned that. So anyways, they responded saying that somebody should have contacted me from Guitar Center, especially the store, saying that what's going to be sent to me is going to be a store demo. And that's kind of what we talked about last Friday. Why would you, if you bought something new online, why would you think they would send you a store demo unless they disclose that? Something I want to point out, I want to kind of tell you why I'm happy with how Guitar Center treated me, but I also want to kind of stay on this one subject that's important, which is this policy, right? And that's really what we're talking about with Guitar Center is a policy because the employees were hands down perfect. I ended up dealing with the Mesa uh, Guitar Center store yesterday. Fantastic employees, fantastic uh, experience with that whole inter- exchange. The employee that uh, emailed back and forth, fantastic experience, fantastic exchange. Uh, as When it comes to the employees, like I said, I have a lot of friends that work at Guitar Center. The employees were not only great, but you could sense that they're not all together on board with this policy decision, right? Now, the the policy, the way I understand it is, is that if you order something on Musician's Friend or GuitarCenter.coms, and it states it's new, we're not talking about open box, we're talking about brand new product. If you order it and it's brand new, they have it in the warehouse brand new, you get it. However, if it says that <laughs> it's in stock and you buy it and they don't have any brand new in the warehouse, they will ship you whatever they have in inventory if that includes being at a store. Now, in this case, they said they talked to the store that sent it and the store had lost the manual and the foot switch and that's why it wasn't in the box. And they said somebody should have called me and let me know that they have the amp, it's coming, but it doesn't have those items. Um, the interesting thing about this, I want to talk about this. There's an interesting thing since doing this, and I'm going to get to my story too, but I want to just tell you, I have never in 223 episodes ever experienced what I've experienced in this last week from you guys, which was the onslaught of comments and emails from you guys. And I'm, I'm saying this because you always think, and sometimes maybe, you know, Guitar Center executive somebody guitar center musician friend will hear this podcast maybe one day who knows if they're listening the customers your your these guitar players are not happy with this policy that is very clear there's in fact 
it's not the policy that you guys have like, hey, in today's pandemic situation, if you have an open box buy and that's what you send to somebody, no one seems upset with that. People upset are upset with they paid full price for what they thought was a new product in box without any kind of discussion, you know, notice, in other words, saying, hey, it just shows up. And almost in every case, this is important. In almost every case of every story I heard from you guys, everyone's story echoed exactly what happened to me, and that's what I'm going to tell you now, which is I contacted them. They were very kind. They basically offered me a full refund, and you know, and I can return it. Uh, they would send me an RE label. They even extended out the offer to have a UPS driver pick it up. Um, the, however, my problem was, if you guys saw the thumbnail from last week's video, if you saw the picture, the amp was shipped in a box that was too thin. And so it got here safe, <laughs> but that box was not making it back. And so, um, apparently, which is good to know, if you don't know this, if you receive an item from Guitar Center, Musician's Friend, I think it's got to be Guitar Center, but yeah, it might be Musician's Friend, check on that, but you could take it to the store. So I just drove it down to the store. The store was, of course, extremely pleasant. I've dealt with the Mesa guys before. Uh, Mesa, Arizona is what I mean, uh, that Guitar Center. Uh, super, super awesome guys. Uh, they they understood. One of them, I think, even kind of implied maybe he saw the podcast on Friday. Um, and, uh, you know, and like I said, they were just Perfect. They took care of everything, refunded the the money back on my cards. Uh, everything was fine, and uh, you know, life just carried on. In fact, I stayed in the store for probably about twenty minutes, looking around to see if there was anything I could purchase because I try to exchange. You know what I mean? But I kind of just want to still want this amp. So that brings me to the second part. Guitar Center offered that when they do get the amps in September, new they offered me I think a ten percent discount. I'm guessing it may be a fifteen percent, but they offered me a discount uh, if I want to purchase one. That is new in box when they do receive them. Um, so so that that all was the experience. Again, like I said on Friday, wasn't upset, wasn't concerned. Um, but I wanted to share that I have heard this story from you guys and that I've heard it and discussed it. But when it happens to me for real, for me, then it's not a, okay, this is probably going on because 10 people told me or 20 people told me this is going on because it actually happened. I mean, I physically saw it happen. So I know it's happening. So... So anyways, the point of this, uh, this, uh, well, first to give you an update is, is that, um, I think, and they did say at the Mesa store, same thing echoed sentiment of the online uh, representative, which is the store that shipped the amp should have contacted me in some way via, via phone call or email and stated that, Hey, we have one. It's un it's an unboxed item. It's missing some stuff. And you know, let me know ahead of time. So again, and, and my big thing wasn't the price on the amp. That's a big deal. The price, my big thing was, as you guys know, you know, in six months to a year, two years, you know, if I ended up not loving this amp, I go to sell it used, I'm going to take a big hit financially for not having the items that come with the amp. And, um, so of course, you know, you're like, I need some kind of financial adjustment for the missing items myself. You know what I mean? So in other words, if that's and to be honest, in this case, I wouldn't have took the financial adjustment because at this price point, you you, you just want the, you know, you want to have it complete is basically what I'm trying to say. But back to the, I was really shocked to have how many people echoed that this is very commonplace with Guitar Center uh, and their new policies with Musician's Friend. And so, again, this is the good news, though. There is good news. One, I want to say that they took care of me, not because I have a YouTube channel. They seem to be very just 
that's just seemed how to be the policy to take care of somebody. The emails I received, the comments on that video I received from you guys echo that as well. That's good. However, the negative, the only one negative is this policy sucks. The reason it sucks, and I thought about this all week, all week, is because there's nothing wrong with when you walk in a store and sometimes there's an amp on display or a guitar on display, we've all bought a new product that's something on display. That, un- that makes sense. However, it's strange to me to have, a, to have a, a, a website where I go on it and on multiple items, it'll show like a new in box, you know, you say new and then it'll say open box buy as a discount. And then for some reason you can hit, you can buy the open box buy and get a discount. But if you click new, cause you don't want that choice, they might send you the open box buy and see what you say. It's a very strange thing. It does kind of feel a little, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the words to say, the correct word. The correct word I guess I want to say is it seems shady as a policy. I I haven't seen anyone else pull that yet. So interesting, interesting things. But I'm sure you guys will have lots of comments as you did last week. Thank you guys so much. I watched your videos too. A lot of you guys actually had videos talking about the same situation. I did watch those videos. Um, uh, A lot of you said, like Sean saying now, bait and switch, stuff like that. Look, I get that. In this case, I don't really think, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, exonerate them. I'm trying to tell you that in the experience I had with them, I really feel like, I hate to say this, is more of an incompetence or a breakdown in communication system. In other words, they're, you know, they just weren't set up correctly to, tell, to, to properly inform me. And um, it just sucks. It's just a weird thing. Uh, besides, Studio says, you can say BS, Phil. Well, again, we, I don't agree with the policy. Let's start there. I, I really think it's bad. Like I said, it's, it feels shady. It doesn't seem right. I would never accept that from any other company that isn't a guitar company. Um, my, my wife, uh, the analogy I use with my wife, cause I was explaining this, what happened to me. Uh, I was telling her, could you imagine she bought us, uh, she bought some prescription Maui gym sunglasses, uh, that she needed cause she's, you know, need a prescription and they were expensive. I said, could you imagine they just showed up and they don't have the case and they're used, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you called them and they're like, oh yeah, sometimes if we just have them laying around, we just send those instead. You'd be like shocked, right? I like I said, I was I'm, I'm honestly shocked that that this is a policy to send somebody open box items, items that can be missing stuff. Some cases, according to your guys' stories, used items. I mean, it was it's uh it's really crazy. <laughs> Zabar says, "Don't defend them. It's not defense. It's even even." It's an even-headed response. I'm not going to scream. <laughs> you know, that's not my nature. I'm not going to scream, oh, my God, they should be destroyed as a company. And I'm also gonna, not going to give them a pass on it. What I'm saying is, honestly, is that this policy doesn't seem to be liked by the customers. We know how that's going to end. Your customers are going to make a choice whether you like it or not. Personally, I told the Guitar Center people and all the employees were very kind when I said this. I'm really not interested in doing business with them again, other than I still have these gift cards that I still have to kind of burn off. So I did do that, by the way. After the uh, amp, I ordered uh, some Music Nomad uh, industrial, not industrial, but the large bottle polishes. <laughs> I got the 23-ounce uh, polish, guitar polish, and, and um, F1 oil. and So I'm just getting accessories and stuff since it, you know. All right. 
Um, but again, like I said, put your comments down below. I think uh, if I was working at Guitar Center, and not as an employee, but as an executive or in some kind of management to, to make change at the company, if I would have watched last week's comments, and I'm sure this week's too, I would take heed and realize that you're not, this is not going to last uh, if you want guitar players to keep buying from you. So... We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. trying to understand a question it's joseph says i don't know if it ties to this he says philip you look like you are getting more guitars from the amount shown today nope i have less guitars today than i did uh a month ago which i i have less guitars this that i did i always remind everybody i have less guitars when i now than when i started my channel um i just display them differently like i said they used to be in one row on the top and then now they're in both rows because i just put them in one spot Okay, any comments or anything before we go to the next subject? Arthur says, what about Sweetwater? I don't know. I've never had this experience with Sweetwater at all, or AMS, or Sam Ash. I've never had an experience. So, you know, I've never even heard of this. (laughs) I have never heard of in a million years anywhere a concept where you buy something new on a website and what shows up is open store stock merchandise. That is... Uh, unheard of in anything. I like, I literally, I can't even connect it to like another industry. I have no concept of this. Um, the only time, the only, and the only reason I think Guitar Center can think this is acceptable is because people do walk into Guitar Center. We walk into Guitar Center and we buy the new guitar that's on the wall. And of course it's been demoed and we do walk out that. However, the interesting part about that is uh, when you're buying online, this is the, this is like I said, this is where it's a little strange. When you're buying online, usually when you buy something used, even from Guitar Center, when you buy something used from Guitar Center, they take an actual picture of the item you're buying. So at least you have some, some kind of, you know, like for instance, that amp, if I would have bought it used from Guitar Center, they would have took an actual picture of it and it would have stated, in most cases, missing foot switch. <laughs> so I would have some kind of expectation other than I just bought a brand new item. And what showed up was the display missing things. So like I said, it's, uh, so, uh, so the question is, what about Sweetwater? I have no idea. Until I hear stories that Sweetwater do it too, I, I have no idea, but I've never seen it. Um, yeah, uh, Ian says they have demo deals at Sweetwater. Well, of course, like I said, they have demo deals at Guitar Center. They have open box buys at Guitar Center. That's why I said, that's why it's confusing to use terminology. That's, I'm using their own terminology. Guitar Center has new open box you know, used, and then they have like demoed, right? Like returns, which is like open box. And they're not even following that rule. <laughs> so, so 
BB Ninja says, uh, Philip, not just shady, more like against retail law as it's elite and illegal. It's here's where it gets different. You're, you're, it says, okay, so you're talking about Switzerland. In the US, this is where it gets a little tricky. The law is very weird because we have 50 states and there's 50 different kind of consumer. Well, there's one main consumer law and then there's 50 different kinds of consumer laws. Because I saw a lot of you guys' comments talking about how illegal this is. People on the internet love this just state stuff's illegal. <laughs> they just like to say things. Uh, this is one thing that you realize later in life that just because you say it's illegal or something's illegal, and again, BB, I know you're in uh, a different country, uh, just because somebody states something's illegal doesn't mean it's illegal. Um, this is where it gets tricky, right? If they are sending an actual used piece of gear that they bought from a consumer, right? Um, it's illegal. And I want to tell you a story <laughs> because this is an actual story that I can tell you for a fact that happened. And this is where it gets a little tricky. So I had a Fender Strat in my store and I've told you this story. I've actually told you part of this story um, where it got damaged. That's the story. Uh, if you want to go back to a little podcast, I'll talk about, you know, you can see why it got damaged. Customer drops a guitar. It gets damaged. Actually, a couple guitars get damaged. I, as the retailer, take the financial hit, okay? Uh, the, the, uh, the person dropped the merchandise. It was damaged. I uh, disclosed that it was damaged. I discounted it. It was damaged. And I told the customer that was buying it that it was damaged merchandise, and I sold it as used, okay? And I hate telling you guys this story because I, I just – I hate giving the wrong people good information. So – you know, but I feel like the story warrants it because it connects. So what happened in, like I said, there was multiple guitars damaged, right? One of them I told you I sold to a friend who still has that guitar. The other person was just sold, I sold it to just a random customer, again, disclosing that it was damaged in the store and it was used. It was void of warranty. I, I disclosed all that. It was on the invoice. The customer took the guitar, contacted guitar, uh, Fender immediately said it was damaged and wanted a new one. Fender replaced it with a new one. Fender contacted me, right? Told me, you know, that they're swapping it and that they're sending it to my store for the swap out. And I said, no, it's not new. It it was damaged in the store. If you look, if his invoice, because you need proof of invoice for warranty, I put on the invoice, used, damaged, it's not under warranty. Fender said, but we sold that guitar new to you. You are the official dealer. It's still new. We're warranting it. Now, I tell you that story because that's great on Fender. The customer actually knew this, by the way. They figured all this out. They already knew that when they bought it from me that they could just call. So what ended up happening with that was they didn't replace the guitar, by the way. What ended up happening was there was a chip in the headstock. The consumer got, the customer got Fender to send me a brand new neck. I had to put the new neck on the guitar reset the guitar up and then the customer got a brand new guitar even though they paid me the used just you know damaged price the reason is is when i talked to fender I, I was trying to what i was trying to do was protect everybody i was trying to say hey look fender this is all my mistake we dropped it we damaged it well you know not us but it was damaged in our store fender basically told me they didn't care they said you know we're just going to take care of the customer customer it's a new product and we'll take care of it the reason i tell you that is a lot of times although i've heard contrary stories to those kind of stories what I will tell you is that's where it gets a little tricky. A lot of times when you guys say, oh, it's open box, so it's not new, not even the manufacturers follow that rule for the most part. 
In fact, what I've learned since then, and I'll tell you this now, a lot of times when stores telling you stuff that's not, it's, it's not warrantied, uh, it is warrantied. Because what I found is if it's a reputable company, they find it pretty much follow the warranty no matter what. So, like I said, the area of when stuff is new and used is very tricky. Um, I heard a story, and I know this kind of going long for this little segment, but I heard a story from a viewer today who sent a video. I'll put a link to the video where he told a story about how he got an amp used like me. He bought a new one. They sent a demo one. But in this case, they were the the previous customer had it for six months, and it was it had a deficiency in it. And so he was saying the same thing, like, this is a used amp now. The customer had it for six months and then returned it, and it was, you know, had an issue. The problem is, I agree with what he's saying, but the laws really are a little tricky on when the return policies are. Because you got to understand, a return policy is just a, just a policy. So it's a little tricky. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of people have comments on it, but I'm telling you, as someone who's sold millions of dollars worth of stuff over a period of time and seen all the ways it goes down, I'm telling you, um, but I'm going to bet on what I'm saying over what most of you are saying. Unless, of course, I don't know. Things have changed in the last few months. Um, let's see. <laughs> John perfectly said. He said here he had an old law professor who had a great joke about the law. What does a senior citizen and the law have in common? Depends. Yeah, that's about the way it goes. Uh, so there you go. The, the important part of this is this, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I tell you guys on this channel, we've talked about, you know, this many 223 podcasts, guitar centers come up a lot of times, oh, mostly in a negative context. And again, they're pretty much the biggest game in town around the country. That's why we talk about them. That's why we use them. But, you know, hopefully they'll be changing things. Hopefully. All right. Um, and then I just want to, because again, Mark said the the customer is a scumbag in your story. Well, you know what's funny is, I I have to say this to, just so you know, just so you guys know where I how I feel about this. It was very enlightening to me. It was a very it's it's like I said, you 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 know you think. Uh, when I tell you guys stories, when I show you guys in videos, when I've done things, you know, when I've illustrated repairs, when I've talked about companies and policies and the way the industry kind of works, I want you to know this is from lots and lots of failures. You know what I mean? I'm not a smart person by any means. I'm just very experienced in a lot of things. And I mean, experience in a horrible way. Like I said, I've experienced a lot of things. I pass that on to you guys, hopefully so that you guys don't have to deal with either. I was shocked. What I learned from that, though, was that Fender will pretty much take care of customers, and I still stand by that today. Uh, if you have a bad experience with Fender, I've said this many times on the show, you're probably not talking to Fender directly. As a company, they try to take the high road a lot. It's why they're so big and successful. Okay. Next subject, before we get to some other uh, smaller subjects. Uh, so, so interesting things came up this week. One other thing came up, and you guys are talking about, Eric the Red's talking about it too, is that Kirk Hammett is going with Gibson. If you guys haven't heard, uh, he's going to be following the, the uh, Dave Mustaine 
uh, to Gibson, uh, another uh, high-profile player over to the Gibson brand. I read the article, uh, considering you guys had mentioned it so many times, I thought we were talking about it today. So I read the article. And interesting enough, there's more to the story that I thought was interesting. Not only is he going to Gibson or he's going to be uh, working with Gibson, making some more guitars and being some kind of endorsed uh, artist, but he's unofficially, in other words, this just, I don't, I haven't heard anything contrary to this, but it's in the article. He's not leaving ESP as well. So he'll be still keeping with ESP, but also be working with Gibson. I think this is fantastic. This is an interesting thing, and I'm not shocked to hear this. And again, I hope this is true. I hope this is true that he'll be be dueling, doing dual uh, endorsement contracts, I guess, with two manufacturers. This seems like a, this seems like how it should have been years ago. What's funny about this is this industry, believe it or not, (laughs) I would have never known this if it wasn't for this YouTube gig. Man, when I started reviewing guitars and doing videos, I remember the first couple times I heard it, I was not really digesting what I was listening to uh, with manufacturers. So for instance, the first time I think I ever heard it was... um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say the brands. <laughs> so let me just keep it clean. But here's what happened. I had a brand talk to me once and they said, uh, yeah, we'd love to have our product on your channel, but obviously you like this brand. And they said that to me, like somehow I'm connected to that brand, like an endorsement deal would be right. And be very clear. An endorsement deal is far different than anything uh, like my channel. And again, I'll say most channels on YouTube are going to be like my channel. Most. Okay. Okay, there's different deals for sure. But uh, in my in my channel, it's all about exposure of products to you guys. The more products I can expose to you guys, the better for me, the more content I can make. Um, and that's good. And if I can make consistently more content, I get more views. And that's good for me because not only it grows the channel, which gets, you know, it's, a, it's just putting gas on a fire. The funny thing was I didn't think much about that until it happened again with another product. I think the next time was a pedal company. Same thing. The pedal company says, oh, we'd love to send you out a pedal, but obviously you like this pedal uh, brand. And I was really shocked by this and uh, because I didn't really understand what they were saying. And, th- and then slowly I figured it out. What they were basically saying is like, kind of like this, Kirk Hammett plays LTD or ESP LTD. So he, you know, he doesn't play other guitars, but obviously he does. We see his Instagrams. We see him on, I've seen him in concert. He, he does have Gibsons. They do play other guitars. This is like the old days of like, if you want to be an endorser of our brand, you can only be seen in our brand. And I've heard and seen stories where that is exactly true. The artist isn't allowed to play anything but that brand. They can't be seen in pictures with that brand. I've actually, not to route anybody out, but I've actually hung out with some professional musicians in a YouTube context and specifically had to edit out video of them with other products because later I was asked to as a courtesy, like, Hey, we can't see that. We can't have that artist seen with a different product there with this brand. Um, and I always thought that was the stupidest thing ever. Not, not for the artists. I understand the artists doing that. These artists look, the artists have to make money every way they can. <laughs> if you don't understand that, then you're just not an artist. Please trust us. When we say, if you want to entertain people for a living, you have to figure out as many ways to make money as possible because it's just a very uncertain environment in how you make money and how much you'll make and how long you'll make it. So artists creating as many revenue streams as possible is, is just part of the business. Um, but, but what's interesting is I've always thought like now with the YouTube arena, 
that should go away. Because, for instance, uh, and again, since I have stories, I'll tell you a story. This is a true story. An artist that I'm uh, that I know really well uh, works with a company that I know, and just so happened the company knew the the artist knew me. That, in other words, the company knows the artist knows me. They asked him for a favor. They reached out to the artist and said, "Hey, can you get Phil McKnight this product, and uh, to see if he'd be interested in doing a video with it?" They, uh, so he contacted me and said, Hey, I have this thing. They want you to check it out. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Next time I see you, just, I'll grab it. Well, I'll do a video. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Now out of curiosity, you know, when he, when he gave me the product, he said to me, so how does this work? And I said, well, how does what work? And he goes, how do you, you know, how does it work? Like they're giving me this product to give to you. I don't really want to know your business, but you know, I'm kind of curious. And I said, sure. Um, well, I haven't talked to them yet, but sometimes they, they send a product and I do a video and then I get to keep it. And sometimes they want it back. Right. And he's like, okay. And he goes, well, how long do you have to you know, use it? And I go, well, I have to make a video with it. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but how, like how many, how long do you have to keep it? And I go, well, you have to make a video with it. <laughs> I said, it depends. Like if they want it back after the video's done, they get it back. If they don't want it back, you just keep it. He seemed really shocked by this. Cause he's like, in my dealings, when so when you have a product you have to be you have to use that product for a certain amount of time and everybody has to see you with it so many times and i said yeah but that's not kind of how youtube works you make a video and the video is just always out there so that's how they see it so the point of this is that the artists have actually we and some youtube channels and i were talking once it's about a year or two ago about two years ago we were talking about the fact that the artists are actually getting screwed because they're getting contracts that are way more intense than just some average YouTube guy who's, you know, doesn't have the the influence or power of an actual artist. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't want to offend any YouTube channels out there, but uh, in my opinion, like a true artist uh, is going to have a, a deeper, stronger influence. This, you know, than than some some jack off on YouTube. But we do live in a climate where we get to hang out, and it's you know. You, you get this opportunity, which is what I'm doing right now, talking to you guys. So my point is, I'm really excited about this Kirk Hammett deal. I think this is really cool. I think this is where I, I'm really proud of this as a musician because I think, look, we already know he was playing some Gibsons. We already know he had the Green Meanie, right? That's what it was, the Greenie? I think it's the Greenie, his 59 Les Paul. Excuse me if I'm wrong on the name. Um, uh, and uh, I think that that's... That's uh, what do you call it? I think that's great that he's now going to work with Gibson because we already know he's playing with Gibsons. Somebody mentioned, and I hope I didn't get it wrong. Somebody was mentioning George Lynch a little while ago. Same thing. George Lynch was with Randall. He's with ESP. But yet we've seen George Lynch playing Gibsons. We've seen him playing Marshalls. He obviously has an affection for Marshalls. So to 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 hear that there's a dual relationship because the reality is these musicians that those endorsement deals. Um, to me, they propagate, uh, they propagate the bullshit. What they do is they convince everyone that this artist only uses one thing when we know it's not true. It's very, it's, it's, it's why I told you guys I'll never do like a Phil McKnight signature guitar or, you know, amp or something. I'm like, yeah, this is my guitar. This is the only one to use. How would I make another video? I don't know how to do that, <laughs> right? Uh, I, but if maybe the mindset changes to where, yeah, sometimes I like to play my Kiesel and sometimes I like to play my Gibson and sometimes I like to play my Keeley and sometimes I like to play my LPD Lawrence Petros pedal. You know what I mean? That's just the reality. I'm in different moods. 
I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, it's an emotional thing. I've been on an SG kick now for like two weeks. I've been playing like nothing but my SG. I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> I keep moving back and forth the other room. But I've been playing like crazy. That doesn't mean I, all of a sudden I don't like my other guitars. It just means that's what mood I'm in. So, and then Nick says, are you getting the Super Chats? I always get the Super Chats. Like I said, the Super Chats just guarantee the show's length. Uh, I try not to do, you know what I mean? The Super Chats are bonus, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Alex said, artists are regular dudes too. And yes, and, and that's kind of my point. It's, we're not... Again, kind of like the Guitar Center speech again earlier about, you know, the customer doesn't seem to like the way that policy works. I don't think any musicians here, any guitar players, bass players, drummers, whoever's watching uh, here, believe that an artist only plays one thing. And so, you know, there might be exceptions. We all know there's exceptions. You know, Brian May, Nuno Bittencourt. Some of them are pretty hardcore what they play. Don't get me wrong. But as a whole, you know, in the studio... They grab different things. They like to play other things. And just because they have an endorsement deal with a product just means that they like that product maybe the most of the, most of the time or the most. So it's um, it's great. So that's my two cents on that Kirk Hammett uh, announcement. I think it's great. I think it makes sense. Um, I love it. <laughs> Basically, that's where I'm going to get at. Um, I'm sure they'll make a Gibson with EMGs in it. And uh, I'm sure it will sound great. Who knows? Um, Brad Guitar Miller said, Texas Toast is making me a signature guitar. Man, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, they are. I, I am aware of that. I've talked to Matt. Um, and uh, and um, I promise you, if you guys even like this channel like this much, I promise you this is going to be the funniest video you've ever seen. <laughs> this guitar is going to be so awesome but also it has a great story behind it uh between me and the texas toast guys which i will tell you in the video uh and i have uh, you know like i said i don't know when i'm gonna get it or what's gonna happen with it but yes that's gonna happen and then hopefully that will lead to me being able to drive up to to colorado and uh hanging out with those guys and doing some content with them and doing something like that the Okay, uh, I just love this uh, love this question. You know, when you start a question with sorry about my name, sorry about my name, I'm assuming it's hard to say. Let's see what it says. The Seth, oh, it's like the Seth, it looks like Seth Myers, but it's got a B in there. So Seth, Seth M. Byers uh, says, uh, how do you feel about scalloped fingerboards? I scalloped my seven string. I love it. I, I really dig scalloped uh, fretboards. My uh, Halo guitar that I had made when Halo made me a guitar, I had the fretboard scalloped uh, from the 12 fret up. Um, and what was great about that in that particular case was, you know, the, the, the Halo guys were, you know, crazy. They were like, hey, let's make something crazy. Um, well, not that. They just said they'll make me whatever I wanted. They were the first company and pretty much still the only company that's ever done that to me who said, We'll make you whatever you want. <laughs> and you're like, uh, you know, I, look, I don't care if you guys got a YouTube channel. I don't care, uh, you know, it, what, what your situation in life is. If anyone ever comes up to you and says, hey, we'll make you a guitar, whatever you want. I hope you're smart enough to go, all right. And then hopefully you'll heed my advice, which is I went crazy as I can get. 
I said, okay, cool. What can I do here? And I said, let's make a strat body, but telly shaped, you know, telly, you know, telly carves, hollow, you know, mahogany neck, uh, Gibson's uh, Gibson bridge, Gibson st- uh, uh, scale length, you know, and then a uh, scallop 12 fret. I just went w- all crazy with it. And I love it to this day for that reason. It's, it's all the things I wasn't sure I should do or wanted to do um, that if I was being conservative, cause you know, when it's your money, you got to be very conservative cause you know, you can't, you know, you don't want that to go wrong on you. Uh, the, the fact that they were willing to be so crazy and allow me to be so crazy was really fun. And from that, I've learned a lot about myself as a player and what I like and don't like. And, um, yeah, I could tell you right now, I, 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 you know, I'll eventually, I don't know if I'll ever have a full scalloped like Yngwie style guitar, you know, uh, you know, personal guitar, but I would definitely love the opportunity to get another guitar with a scallop from the 12th fret up again. I really like that. I really do. Um, so, <laughs> some, I love the jokes. Guitar 1952, like scalloped potatoes. Is it scalloped potatoes? Potatoes? I guess that's what it is, right? Scalloped potatoes are weird. <laughs> um, All right, we probably should get some super chats now. Let's see. Hold on, I do have a couple other things I want to talk about. Again, like I said, we get to the super chats. Um, this one, uh, I love this one. Mark said, "Phil, uh, he's got a DSL forty uh, uh, combo, I assume, and he's talking about um, putting a cream back or a green back in it, and uh, to get the EVH Led Zeppelin tone. Look for that amp. I would go cream back. The cream back to me has got a little bit more low end response. It's not as fizzy, not as." Very similar speakers, though, to the point where, like, if you put one in each, you know, put a cabinet and you have put one of those each speakers in a cabinet, I couldn't probably disseminate the two very much. But having both those speakers, I can tell you the green back, which I love, sounds great. But the cream back, I think, would work with the distortion on a DSL type amp. So that would be my two cents. I would go that way. Um, and I think the other thing is, I think the cream back will give you everything you like about the green back but then a little bit more where the greenback will not give you everything that the greenback can do. Um, and then this one I want to answer too, because this is Spencer says, Hey, Phil, uh, what do you think the best tube amp under $700 is? Is it the black star studio 10? Well, I like my black star studio 10. Like I said, I really like it. It's very Vox like the one I have. Cause remember there's three different versions of studio 10, maybe four, but definitely three. And I have the EL 34 version I think it's the EL34. It might be EL84. You know, look up the specs. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it might be an EL84. One EL84 making 10 watts. That sounds about right. Anyways, uh, I love it. Would never say it's the best amp under 700 bucks. It's I really, really enjoy that amp. That amp, I like that amp for one reason and one reason only. It's It punches above its, its grade. You know what I mean? It punches up. It's literally an amp that I think sounds better than what an amp in that price market should probably sound like. I think it's got a lot of good characteristics to it too. But uh, no, I wouldn't say it's the best. And if you want to know what I think the best one is for 700 bucks, tube amp, I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at combos, I mean, keep in mind, when you say 700 bucks, I don't mentally go, oh, you have to buy new. I just go, okay, you can buy used. To me, I, I mean, I like Fender amps just as much. So any of the Fender amps that you can find that price range would be really cool. Um, I'm actually curious, maybe I... um maybe checking out some orange amps soon. Uh, when I say checking out, I'm thinking about buying my first orange amp. So maybe I'll get one and I'll t- give you feedback on that. Um, 
And then this one's again, Michael uh, said uh, another question I thought was interesting. He said, uh, I've seen a new, uh, some new upgrades on the Spark. Uh, and I did too. I saw uh, like a sponsored ad or something, I'm sorry, on my Instagram or whatever. So I'm assuming it's the same thing you saw. And uh, he says it's got new amps and, and clone pedals. Any thoughts? Um, I haven't checked it out. I haven't checked out the upgrades. I, I can tell you that uh, uh, Airstep reached out and asked me if I would check out uh, – well, I already have the Airstep pedal. They asked me if I would do another video with the Airstep pedal and the Spark and the fact that they work together now Bluetooth-wise. And uh, I thought, oh, that would be a great way to re- kind of revisit – and check a lot of boxes. Like a lot of you guys ask me if I still like my Spark, and I can address that in the video. Uh, this show you guys how this foot switch works. I thought, okay, check that box, and then also do some upgrades like that, and see what I think of the new upgrades in the pedal. So yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. I have it downstairs. Been, well, I'll get to it as soon as I'm done with what I'm doing now. <laughs> and then this one is just because I, I wanted to answer this. The home guitarist says, "Hey Phil." On my Ibanez JS1000, which is, I have one too, right there. JS1000, Joseph Ronnie 1000 uh, Ibanez. A pinch harmonics are and high natural ones die off early. So, okay, so your harmonics die off. My other guitars don't do this. Neck is straight and narrow. So he's, he's talking about the action and how it's set up. I don't think that's going to be an action thing. It could be because sometimes, like I said, those low action, you know, the, 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 frets, the, the frets choke off the string a little bit. Um, what I would suggest trying is putting a boost pedal or driving, finding an amp that has a lot of gain, try to get the guitar to do it. Make sure you check the height of the pickups to make sure that they're optimized. In other words, as close as possible, but not too close, but try a boost pedal, try some stuff to see if you just get to do it. Um, I'm assuming the original pickups are in it and you shouldn't have a problem, but that might be the problem, but it also might be those pickups are just too far away. That could be it as well. But your actions doesn't sound, look too out of whack uh, to me. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're too super low or anything. But I would try there. Try, try like I said, try to see if you can get the guitar to do it using those uh, other ideas, which is raising the pickups or adjusting pickup height using a boost or some kind of other extra thing to push the amp to see if they can kind of ar- get those harmonics out. And uh, if you can, then that'll tell you that it's possible and then try to work from there. Just an old guy says, Phil McKnight. He's talking about me. Phil McKnight. Who really buys an eight, nine, or $10,000 guitars, i.e. Murphy Lab Relics? Um, <laughs> okay. This is a, always a strange question to me because it involves one way of looking at something. And I'm not saying you're wrong, old guy. Uh, that's not where I'm going with this. Okay. I just want you to see a different perspective and see it from, from this perspective. And hopefully it'll help. When somebody says like who in their right mind would buy a $10,000 guitar? Well, here's the problem. I want you to pretend for a moment, uh, cause I'm going to pretend for a moment that I won the lottery and I have millions of dollars and I don't care about money now. I'm not going to change the person. <laughs> Okay. What I mean by that is I'm not going to be like club Phil. And then I'll be like having really cool, like $25,000 glasses and I'll have a Rolex and I'll go to the club. And this is me at the club now. Right. I'm still going to be the same dude. Um, I'm still going to want to talk about guitars. (laughs) I'm still going to do stuff every day. Like I do now. I'm still going to, you know, just generally going to have the same personality. The problem is if I have a lot more money, uh, and I can afford whatever I want. Well, what I want is guitars. Would I buy $10,000 guitars? I've said this before. I probably still would not buy $10,000 guitars. However, 
I would buy a $10,000 guitar before I bought a $10,000 jacuzzi. That's just the truth. I, I, I mean, it's absolutely true. Like, if you gave me the option. Uh, jacuzzis are great, I'm sure. I don't have a jacuzzi. <laughs> I'm sure some of you guys have a jacuzzi and love it. I don't want one. I only say that because I went to the home show a couple weeks ago with my wife. And they had jacuzzis. And I looked at them, and there's just no interest for me. <laughs> like, I have no interest in that. So what I'm trying to say is some people just have money, and they like guitars, so they buy them. That's just how it works. Um, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. But you got to understand, too, there's another thing that's important. Again, perspective. Not only is there just people, like I've said this before, I have a friend. He's a, uh, he's a surgeon. He's a really nice guy. He's not in anything other than guitars. So he buys nice guitars. He could buy Porsches. You know what I mean? He could. I mean, not even, I'm not exaggerating. He could buy, he could collect expensive cars. He doesn't. So he buys expensive guitars. Um, that doesn't mean that they're better or anything. just means that's why he does that. But the reason I tell you that is, there not only is that that logic, which is if you have the money, you can just do that. There's also another logic too, which is a lot of guitars. It's a there's a kind of this weird tone out there with guitar players, if you don't know. And I want to tell you this because I love this story because it actually happened and you can see it in real proof. I had a customer. He brought me a guitar, and he had me work on the frets. That guitar was ten thousand dollars. That's why it ties into your story because I love telling the story. And I've t I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast, but I've told it to every friend. Let me tell you. He said, and I quote. And if you do a video with it, I wouldn't mind. So I did a video. If you guys know, you'll have to figure out the video because <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But I did a video of his $10,000 guitar. If you read the comments in that video, overwhelmingly, I couldn't tell you the percentage, but this say, just to say in the fair, fair, easily in the column is how stupid that guitar was for that money and how dumb that person was for buying that guitar and how that guitar is not worth that. And those are the predominant uh, comments for sure. Okay, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I just want to tell you what happened with that guitar. Well, he sold that guitar for $12,000. So now we're $25. So the irony is, while I read the comments, overwhelmingly, the community said what an idiot he was. What I know for a fact happened was he bought that guitar. He played it for a little over a year. He sold it, put two grand in his pocket. Didn't sound like an idiot to me. <laughs> little sad that he sold it before it doubled, right? My point of that story is sometimes there's reasons why guitars are expensive other than they're just good, they're investments. I really believe this. I believe vintage guitar collectors really don't really talk about this, but the reality is this. A lot of vintage guitars are not that they're that great. They're just not. You know, um, I understand when they make a 65, you know, there's a 65 Mustang, and I've said this before. I don't know anything about cars, but I understand concepts of this. There's a 65 Mustang. They don't make 65 Mustangs anymore. Ford isn't going to make a 65 Mustang. They're not going to set up production and replicate it and get the steel like they did before and definitely not going to make a car without an airbag. Right? So they're not going to make a 65 Mustang. So when I see friends talk about vintage cars, and of course, to me, vintage cars like a 65 Mustang, when they talk about the crazy price of that car, I think, yeah, of course, because if you want one, I'm sure there's kits maybe, I don't know. But anyways, my point is, if you want one, you have to pay what it's worth. I still laugh to this day. I have, If you go to Fender and Gibson's factory, they make guitars exactly like they did in the 50s and 60s. Exactly. 
you could argue the 1% differences, which is what you're going to have to do at that point. What's different about town? You know, to me, like to me, when I see, and again, I'm not justifying anything. I'm kind of just explaining some thoughts. Um, when I see a $7,000 Gibson um, <laughs> R9, right? I think, yeah, but that that's a replica of a $450,000 guitar. I can't get my brain around the $450,000. So that's the reality of this. Um, so like I said, so I'm telling you that, um, I forget the sign on. I'm sorry. What was the sign on? Sign was just an old guy. The reason I'm telling you that is because there's other things factored in that not everyone's talking about. You know, when you see uh, a Joe Bonamassa, I love saying this about Joe Bonamassa. Joe Bonamassa buys a 62 Strat. And my, my joke is, do you know what's m- worth more than a 62 Strat? A 62 Strat owned by Joe Bonamassa. So when he buys those vintage guitars, it, immediately just him owning them inflates the value of the one he just bought. And if he plays it on stage and he writes a little certificate saying it was played on this date at this show, then it's going to be worth even more. So you could argue that he could say, oh, they don't make them like this anymore. And he has, you know, for the, he has them for the tones. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying they're, they're really investments. You know what I mean? A lot of that stuff is just investments. So eight, nine, ten thousand dollars guitars are investments. Downfall though, is sometimes they're not. <laughs> sometimes they're just silly purchases. Um, but arguably, like I said, um, and this is actually true too. When I was at the home show with my wife and there was jacuzzis, um, I said, I made a passing comment to her. I go, uh, what are they like five grand? And then I laughed, I caught myself and I go, I don't even know if that's relevant anymore. I don't know what a jacuzzi is worth. It could be 20 grand now. Who the hell knows? I said, but I said, what's funny is, is if you went to a home show and bought a $5,000 jacuzzi and came home, None of your friends would even say anything weird. But if you went to a store and bought a $5,000 guitar, they'd be like, $5,000 guitar? That's crazy. But in a year, I'd like to know how much that jacuzzi versus that guitar is worth. So to me, it's not a crazy thing to buy those guitars. I'm just not going to do it. Like I said, I have a Gibson R9. I didn't pay anything close to what they're worth. Um, and, and definitely the way I've, I kind of set it all up you know, with my trades and stuff. Um, but I did it because I wanted one, and I actually have something that you guys will see later as a project I'm working on, and um, that's the main reason. And I wanted to see, like I said, my channel is predicated on this idea of trying things, learning things, not so much just reading about it and coming up with a decision. I want to, like I said, uh, I've done everything from cut pickups in half on my videos, you know what I mean? I've done all kinds of stuff because I want to share the information the physical information. What happened when I tried this? What happened when you did this? What did you learn from that? Um, because I find that's way better than just when I gave you guys like a theory. <laughs> Scott Groves, funny. Scott says, you got to pay big money for that tone wood. Scott's not kidding. <laughs> Look, there's there, that that's part of that too. Again, there's, like I said, it's, it's a crazy thing that they, that they do. Um, Scott's actually in a perfect example. Scott's probably to me, the biggest example of somebody who, who knows how to buy guitars right all the time. Um, uh, obviously if you've ever watched his channels, you know that he likes to buy the guitars and then when they're worth a lot, I, I have the same, that's one thing we have in common. Okay. Um, and I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't want to say that specifically, but just generally speaking, if I buy a guitar, let's say for 1500 bucks, if I buy a guitar for 1500 bucks and then one day it's worth four grand, I'm selling it. I could give two craps. I've said that before. If a guitar doubles in value, 
eh, I'd rather have the money. I'd rather double my money sometimes and buy something else and then let that flip and do its thing. Because like I said, most of the guitars I love, I didn't pay a ton of money for. So again, there is a lot of that. And that's why it's important, I think, to have conversations about that. Because I think some players just see things, like I said, through one vision, which is this magic tone, sorry, magic, magic tone unicorn theory that everything, that the things that are expensive just sound that much better. And it's not that if they don't sound better, they do. You just can't ignore the fact that there's other factors out there. The reality is, and I've said this before, Fender and Gibson, who are the biggest, who are smart, have figured out that custom shop guitars making limited runs of things and making them a little bit more specialized and tweaked makes guitars that generally go up in value and that guarantees it. Uh, they create a false demand and it seems to work. I've seen it work. Not always. Not always. Uh, the This week, not this week, last week, I picked up a, a Fender Custom Shop for less than you can buy an American Standard for. Why? Because I, could buy, I bought it for less than what you can buy an American Standard for. So I bought a Fender Custom Shop. There's deals out there too. Um, and that uh, brings up, if you guys didn't see it in the news this week, that was another thing that the... The Gibson Murphy Labs, uh, <laughs> Les Pauls, the they had some they're having issues, right? The some of the finish is flaking off. Um, the um, the uh, the finish is having a bad reaction to something, and uh, and so I'm just giving you the information I was I understand, which is Gibson's aware of this now, and Gibson is honoring any issues. So if you have a Murphy Labs a $7,000 Murphy lab that the finish is just flaking off of or doing at weird stuff. Uh, apparently just contact them and they will take care of it. Um, I'm not shocked. What I'm, what was more curious and I couldn't find any answers to is that I was curious to see how much of that had to do with COVID. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I have told you guys this before. I've talked to people that work at factories and they have told me that since COVID, since going back from, you know, after COVID uh, and all the new policies and stuff like hand sanitizers have had interesting reactions to some of the finishes. There's been all kinds of stuff. Um, See, and then this is, I'm just going to hit on this. So Barry Thought says, Murphy Lab is for fools. Sorry. But this is the same comment. I'm not picking on you, buddy. I'm just kind of hitting your comment a little bit. You could be right. But you also could be wrong, and it's and it's important to understand that. I don't. I wish if I could predict it all, I'd be rich. I, I I obviously can't. But because I've been wrong so many times, I am more open to paying attention now and and wait and reserving. And one reason why I say that is, look, um, <laughs> you know, I I think I've told you this. I have a gem, a floral gem. I bought it for my buddy. I did a trade. I'm into it for 1900 bucks. I've told this story many times. He wanted my Les Paul Classic. I traded him straight across. That guitar is worth six grand. Easy now. Easy. It's a mint condition floral gem. I've been his gem. In perfect condition. Not a single, like, solitary flaw on it. It's, it's a case-ridden guitar. It's, it's been in a case since 1999. Even I, if you notice, bring it out very rarely. And uh, I have the original poster, all the stuff that goes with it. And I've seen people asking eight for them when they're in mint condition. I don't think that's what it will go for, but it goes for six. It, when I pay two, I want you to be clear. I, I'd love to tell you, like, yeah, I bought it because I knew, man, it would triple. I literally had, I thought when I bought it, it was at the height. Like, I was like, man, I think at the time when I bought it from him and we did the deal and I traded him, 
uh, I think me and him believed it was worth 25 on the street. And, uh, you know, and that was a great way of trading, was a great way of, you know, getting it into my hands for less than the 25 and him not feeling like he sold it too cheap on the market. And now look what it's worth. And like I told you before about selling guitars, I've thought about selling it, except for in this case, I have a deal, which is I uh, obviously to sell it, I'd have to offer it back to him because because he's my friend. And so I'm sure he'd want it back for two grand. So I'll just keep playing it because I still enjoy it. My point is, is that I would find that insane. If you would have told me just a couple years ago, they would be worth six, seven grand, five grand, even four grand. Take all those numbers in half, just three grand. If you would have told me they would go up to $3,500, I would have told you that's crazy. So like I said, we don't know. And these Murphy Labs, we don't know. But we do know that I've told you guys this before. The biggest the guitar that I've made the most money on, my personal guitar, not for my store and back in the day, is my Gibson Les Paul Custom Shop. I bought a Gibson Les Paul Custom Shop for under two grand, and I sold it for over six. So, I mean, it, it is out there. I, but so you know, and this is to, to, to go to the comment of the person who said that there are more, and if they buy it, he could be right too, because just because that happened before doesn't mean it will happen again. Like I said, it's don't, I'm not also downplaying the, uh, the, the, uh, the intelligence of the guitar companies to figure out, oh, well, since that happened before, in other words, we made a guitar, we sold it. And then like, uh, what's a perfect example? Look at the, what's the Nebula, the Nebula, right? The, the John Mayer Strat. Could you imagine if you bought a John Mayer Strat? Um, (laughs) uh, you know, you bought a John Mayer Strat for the, for the retail. I mean, it's worth double that for the paint job. What's funny about that guitar is uh, to me, the John Mayer Nebula is like, to me, the poster child for this. It's a guitar that you can get. It's not out of production, right? It's not like, like perfect example behind me. I'm sitting here as a PV Wolfgang, you know, USA Wolfgang. They don't make those anymore. Uh, they make the HP 42s, but not the PV Wolfgangs, not with the actual Wolfgang and the EVH logo. This is our production guitar. So it's, it's done. So if you want one, you got to find an old one. The Silver Sky is still around, so you can buy a Silver Sky. That paint isn't special. (laughs) In fact, you can go right now to Kiesel Guitars, and Kiesel Guitars will paint you any guitar in that Nebula finish. I think they call it something else, but it's the same paint because everybody gets their paints from the same places. So it's it's not a rare paint that you can't get. It's not a guitar they don't make. But they decided to put those together and then make a limited run of them. And now they're worth two and three times what they were new. That's a perfect example of artificially creating a... They artificially created demand. They did it. They could just make more tomorrow. You could say, well, they said they wouldn't. Okay. They said they wouldn't. (laughs) Again, we were talking about laws earlier here. I don't know what the law on that. I don't know what the legality on that is. I don't know if there's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Um, So... And then Chris is talking about also, he says, I thought the Nebula and the Lunar Mist were limited runs. Right, the Lunar Mist was the second one. Because again, they were capitalizing on that. I think they doubled the production on the Lunar Mist, right? Um, And said, we'll make twice as many this time. But same logic. So again, it gets a little tricky out there what's going to go up in value or not. But the important part of this whole conversation and my little tirade here is to remind you guys that there are multiple reasons for buying guitars out there. Not just one. I mean, sure, some of it is for tone, right? And if, you, if you're looking for a guitar just because how it plays and how it sounds, well, then price is, not in rele- is relevant, is irrelevant. You can buy a great sounding guitar that plays great for 200 bucks all day long, 
But if you're looking for something unique, something that's interesting, something that your neighbor doesn't have, if that's what kind of floats your boat, uh, you know, you can do that as well, right? You can find guitars. If you want to show everybody that you make more than them, there's that. There's all kinds of reasons. But there's also, like I said, there are players out there that know how to buy guitars right. And if you educate yourself and know how to do it, you buy something at the right time, at the right price, you make money on it. And like I said, it's not a bad thing to play a guitar for a couple years, enjoy it, and then double your money. It's not the most horrible feeling ever. I have friends uh, that do that with cars, so you know. I have friends that, so I know it's done in every other things besides uh, guitars. I know you guys, some of you guys are into other things, so I'm sure that it's done in other things too. I have friends that literally, they buy cars uh, for cash whenever they find a great deal. They buy it and they drive it. They put like 10,000 miles on it and then they flip it for more than what they paid for it and they do it again and again and they never have a car payment and they always put money in their pocket. So... Excuse me, I'm talking for too long. It's the downfall of hanging a show where I'm talking and then I'm saying what you guys are saying in the comments. So it's like I'm always talking. Um. <laughs> Subar. Subar says it's not illegal to be a jerk. That is absolutely true. Probably the best saying I've heard today. And then Emil says, uh, Phil, has anyone ever brought you a guitar for maintenance that uh, that you didn't think was worth fixing? Um, yeah, it happens all the time. Sometimes there's other mitigating factors, and I just do it. I try not to. You know what I mean? It's Like, give me an example. Sometimes, you know, like, you know, somebody comes in and they're like, they're like, hey, my little kid. This guitar doesn't work and I look at the guitar and it's it's worth you know hundred bucks and it's gonna cost them 170 bucks in labor and and I just cut the labor in half and just do it. <laughs> Notice in my tone. I'm always like, look, I'm proud of myself for making those decisions sometimes, but I'm also mad at myself. That's just how it works. Uh I again a lot of you guys have a lot of jobs, you understand this. Uh we call it sweethearting here, um, in my in my circles. Um you know, uh, I have a friend who has an air conditioning company. He basically calls it the same thing. Sometimes he's like, you know, he goes to a house. It's a 90-year-old woman. Her air conditioning not working. She has 300 bucks, and it's an $800 job. And sometimes he's just like, okay, today it's a $300 job. Sometimes you just, you know, you you try to, you know, you got to make money, but also, you, you know, as a repair person, you try to find the balance between that. Um, but sometimes even I'm like, yeah, it's not worth doing. Uh, it depends. But, yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, to, so you know that it's just not worth it, and it's always the same thing. It's not worth the saying is putting good money after bad. It's not worth shoving a ton of money into something that's not going to have any value, and it's and it may not even be properly fixed. So, okay. All right. All right, let me hit some other questions. Let me get to this. I'm getting there. How are we doing? We're always running long. That's what we do here. We run long. Okay. 
Litface got a crazy question. Litface uh, question is, tell us about string strat string spacing. Okay, I already know where he's going to go with this. But what I didn't understand was he's saying getting a brass custom bridge from Twang Mart. I've never heard of this. So I want you guys to take notice of that. Uh, Google if you want Twang Mart. I'm really interested to see what it is that he's finding. And that's interesting. So basically, the core of his question is he's talking about what string spacing should he go with. I, I want to not talk about the string spacing. Lidvay. What I want to talk about is theorizing a guitar and where I found that has never worked for me. So I'm not telling you not to do it. You might be smarter than me. In fact, it's probably, probably, probably that's likely. <laughs> so, um, cause that's not how my brain works. I don't work off that. I work, like I said, off of like, Oh, I learned from that. I won't do that again. I kind of have to, tr- I have to do stuff to learn. You know what I mean? It's just how my personality and my brain works. So that means I'm consistently failing at things all the time, which then gives me hindsight. Not the best way to go through life, in my experience, but it's how I work. My point is, I've tried to put on paper a a theory of how a guitar will feel and play for me, and it never works. So when you're talking about your uh, the seven thirty seconds or your your two and one sixteenth, you know, how do you decide on that? I don't have a set neck profile. I don't have a set string spacing on the guitars behind me. There's, I used to think that way for me, I used to be like, Oh, I like this. In other words, let's say I like, uh, I'll use millimeters. Cause I like millimeters. Uh, I'll use uh, 21 millimeters thick at the first fret and 23 millimeters at the, at the 12th fret. That's how thick I like the neck. And I like the neck to be a C carve. And I like this and I like that. And then what happens is I pick up a guitar one day and I go, Oh wow, that's none of these things. And I love it. For instance, this comes up a lot when we talk about squires versus fenders, like American fenders, the necks being narrower, uh, narrower, (laughs) string spacing, narrower at the nut on the squires. Um, I picked up squires and I hated it. I picked up those squires and I like it. As you guys know, I I used to have a bullet. I got rid of it. I now have that affinity. Uh, The affinity plays great. And again, it's just different. Um, So although not a great answer for you to say, hey, this is the way you should go, what I'm telling you is... uh, I don't, I don't trust the idea of just saying, go with this. I think you'll be happier. I think you have to try next and then emulate those necks. You know what I mean? And that's the only way I've learned to do it too. Um, but even then, almost all of my projected ideas have failed. In other words, like I said, if I said, okay, uh, I've done a bunch of, I've done a bunch of warmoth builds for myself years ago and almost all of them, the first attempt was the worst. It was like, oh, I thought I had it down. And there's one thing on the guitar I didn't love because like I said, on paper, it sounded great, but in practical playing, it didn't. It's weird. The guitars are uh, just my opinion. Guitars are a little magical. And that's from someone who works on them all the time. There's a lot of stuff that can be quantified. Uh, Scott was on here. I don't know if he's still here, but Scott was on earlier. And Scott obviously is, uh, doesn't believe in Tonewood. And I think, obviously, he's right to think that way for himself. And there's players that have explained to me why Tonewood works. What I've learned is this. I try not to focus on that, like I've told you before. I like to focus on the fact that everything kind of matters and let's just see what matters the most. But for me... Every time there's a there's this absolute, then there's something that says that's not true. So what I mean by that is every time I try to tell you like, yes, if you follow these rules, give me alder body, maple neck, rosewood fretboard, this string spacing, this action, this radius, these frets, this bridge, it's perfect. 
that never happens. So I don't know if I should just say that some there's some magic going on there or if it's just scientific variables. <laughs> it, it's all possible. But the reality is, is that I, I can't tell you. And that's, and that's from the fact that I think a lot of players have, um, <laughs> have experienced this. I find a guitar I love, but it's not in the color I want. So I just find exactly the same guitar in the color I want. And yet I don't love that guitar. So, so there you go. <laughs> Look how many comments. There's no such thing as tone wood. Do you guys really get all spastic about that stuff? I still laugh about that. Is that a thing? I always wonder, the reason I say that is because I really believe, like I said, everything matters to some degree, to some degree, even if that degree is something that you can't, you can't maybe hear. It's got to, something's got to have an effect, but I don't know if I actually care. So that's why I, get, I tell you guys that. For instance, if you believe in Tonewood, let's start there. If you were to tell me, Phil, mahogany is warmer than alder, I would say, yeah, but I can change the pickups. I can change things and make that not be as prominent. And if you told me that alder and mahogany have no tonal difference, well, then I'd still give you the same answer. I can make pickups that sound <laughs> that make sound different. So I just always wonder, just because I don't understand. I understand having a belief on the thing. I just don't understand getting upset. So. <laughs> Eric the Red says, I spaz about everything. That's great. You know what? That's a good point, too. That's why, like I said, having these weekly conversations with you guys. That's not, that's not wrong. Now that you put it that way, yeah, I have friends that are a little high-strung, tense, intense. I'm not as intense. I get intense, but very rarely. Okay. Daryl says, is there a such thing as tone wire? I, I'm, I'm playing the game now with you guys because I like it. Uh, you know, that is a, definitely a belief. People believe that uh, stainless steel fret, I'm, I assume you say tone wire. I don't think you mean wire like cables, but that's obviously a thing too. Um, you know, different fret wire have different sounds. I could see that. I don't know. Like I said, there's just, so, look, here's the thing I t tell you. Back to Litve's question. I don't find it so easy to quantify. You know what I mean? I can't just be like, oh, I can make this exact sound the way I like it. If I believe that, I would only have one guitar. If I believe that I can make every sound I want out of one thing, I would just have one thing. And I don't believe that because I physically, when I play, I can't hear it. Same with the amp. I have one amp. Trust me, uh, Having multiple guitars is nice, but it's also, like I said, it's nice to have one guitar too, if it did at all. Um, Greg says, cheers from the land of PRS and the beautiful Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, it's beautiful and cold. I remember, I've, I've ran at the Chesapeake Bay. Any plans to review acoustics on the horizon? I'll duck out now to avoid the shrapnel. Um, I do have a company that reached out about acoustics. The funny thing about acoustics, I say the same thing about acoustics. I'll say about basses. Um, very few companies reach out for me to do anything, uh, on the channel. Um, I love acoustics. I love basses, but I don't like collect them. I don't buy them up. I have a couple acoustics and I play them 
probably the most of the time. Like I, like I said, in pecking order, I play more bass than probably guitar. I play more acoustic than I play electric. That's just the, what I actually play. The downfall is that I have, I have like three basses and I have like three acoustics. And that's the, you know, so I can't review those. I've already reviewed them all. They've been in my videos. But the reason I say that is... Um, I find it funny. Every time a company reaches out for a bass or acoustic, they go, I know you don't do a whole lot of bass and acoustic on your channel. And I always respond with, well, that's because a lot of companies don't reach out. Funny part about that is, is that when I make videos about acoustics or basses, those views tend to be pretty good, right? Especially comparatively speaking. Um, bass and acoustic uh, videos, I can do videos where channels that are dedicated to just acoustic or just bass, my views will be the same or if not more uh, than those channels. So um, the reason I tell you that is, uh, is that, so I've had a company reach out about acoustics. I'm talking to them. Hopefully they'll go, it'll something will happen. Um, I'm not going to tell you guys anymore. The companies that reach out to me, I, I found a couple times it actually hurt me. Here's why I would mention this company, reach out, talk to me. You guys got excited. This happened to me twice. Very strange thing to happen. Both times, you guys meant well. You guys actually reached out to him and said, oh, I, I like this channel and I saw you're talking to him and I bought one. And then they don't have any reason to work with the channel because they're like, oh, great. We sold some guitars. He mentioned us. And then I, you know, so I didn't get the, they just didn't send anything. So my point is, is that I'm not going to talk about it. But yes. And if they don't send anything, then I'll just figure out something out like I always do. Um, like I said, if if uh, companies don't send out some products to do some extra reviews and stuff, then like I said, we we dip into the funds and we just order some more like we do. Um, I just try to try to balance it. Again, uh, I, w- I want to make content. That's basically what I want to do. That's what I'm doing now. Talking about guitars. I want to talk about guitars. Uh, Nick says, I have a telly with no fret wear. Okay, so no wear in the frets. Uh, except at the eighth fret, a dent, maybe a hairline crack. Probably more so a dent. Hairline cracks. Uh, I wouldn't say, a, I've never seen a fret crack. You could have a cut into it, uh, usually made by the string, um, in the B and G string area, which would be the strings that would do that, especially the B string. Um, it frets out there. What should I do? You have two solutions that I would suggest to you. One, you could crown and level all your frets. In other words, you could, you have to, you have to level that fret and then crown it. And then you will have to level crown and level all the frets to that because you're taking some material off. That would depend on how deep it is. So if I was looking at it, uh, if it wasn't very deep and I thought I could get it out, you know, uh, file it out and just get it smooth and then buff it and then literally crown all the other frets and level them. Uh, I would just go with that as long as I wasn't taking too much material. If I thought it was too deep and I couldn't do that, I would pull that one fret and refret it. Now you said telly, you didn't say Fender telly, you didn't say Made in Mexico, USA, Squire, you didn't say what it is. But unless it's some kind of, again, mystical unicorn, since that's going to be the term today, um, I have the fret wire, so I would just pull the fret wire that fits and then uh, any 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 tech worth their weight, <laughs> salt, is that a thing? I don't know what the hell sometimes I'm even saying. Any tech worth their weight in salt that I just made that saying up on, uh, has, uh, has calipers and can check fret thickness and figure out what fret it is, fret wire it is. Um, it's not, not that hard. And then, uh, put a new fret in there and that's, and that's all you do. You just uh, do that. Um, in fact, it's different regions, different, po- you know, it's problems. I'm talking to everybody around the world, around the country, different prices, different regions in my arena, in my world, uh, usually I will remove and refret, uh, three to four frets and that's not called a refret. 
So like I wouldn't charge the whole refret job if I was doing three or four frets. Usually you do two or three. It's very common if you can get away with it. Um, so, and like I said, there's more variables. One of the variables is the other frets aren't worn out because obviously they're all worn out at this point. You just might as well replace them all, but in the, or replace the neck, depending on which way the most cost effective for you and what you want to decide. But in your case, I would either uh, file it and polish it out or, and then take care of the other frets or I'd refret that one fret, which is something you can totally do. Happens all the time, all the time. Um, happened to me. I'm trying to remember what guitar I did. I had a guitar, uh, it was about five months ago, got smacked in the, I probably was the B string could have been the high E string cut right into a fret and I had to pull the fret and just refret it right then. Uh, Derek says I have, he has a Les Paul. What? <laughs> oh, okay. I was like reading. He has a Les Paul with a humbucker single, single. I was like, wow, no, he has a Les Paul, a humbucker single, single strat. A PRS Custom 22 and an Ibanez RG. What should my next guitar be? An acoustic. Is that the answer you were looking for? Probably not. <laughs> but it should be. Uh, acoustic. If you don't have an acoustic, get an acoustic. If you have an acoustic and you're talking about another electric guitar, uh, get a semi-hollow guitar. They take you out of your, uh, your, your, you know, that's usually the idea, right? Musicians are trying to do this thing where it's like, I got a telly, I got a Les Paul, you know what I mean? I got a hollow body, you know, you want a different bunch of different guitars because, you know, they might make you play differently, feel differently, try different things, but more importantly, kind of, you know, figure out where you, where you land. Um, but I would definitely look at a semi-hollow, uh, guitar. It's, they're fun to play. Uh, and there's tons of them, semi-hollow, hollow body guitars, either one of them, any brand. They're all fun. Uh, Matthew says, hey, Phil, first ever Super Chat. Thank you, buddy. Says, just want to say thanks for all you've done to continue and what you do. COVID has meant a lot more work for me. I understand that. I look forward to these a couple hours of sanity each week. I appreciate that. I actually also am in your boat, Matthew. Um, during uh, Before COVID, when I do the live shows, Sometimes I was excited about them. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, it's Friday. What are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? It's very stressful. During COVID, it's been uh, just amazing. So, you know, just been something I can, I can Friday is the day I talk to my guitar nerd friends. Uh, Randy Crook says, hey, Phil, just ordered Freeman BE Mini 30 Watts. I didn't know the Mini was 30 Watts, but it is. Do you have any thoughts or experience with this? Um, I have not tried one yet. My understanding is it's basically based on the pedal. It's all solid state, which is good. Why did I make that face? Like almost like I was like, oh, solid state. I don't mean it that way, buddy. Um, what I will tell you is uh, um, I've heard good things. I have not heard great things. I've heard that they're good. That's what I've heard. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to get. Um, I'm curious to see. They moved. I, you know, I've talked about this before. Now, since the fire, they've moved to a new facility. I don't know if they're making the that amp right now those amps i think the chassis are made in overseas and then they get there and then they build the the wood box and everything and load it in here in the u.s i think that's how they were kind of doing it and again they haven't told me that i'm just kind of that's how i guessed it kind of is coming to happen and so i would imagine they're probably not putting a whole lot of focus on making those right now um because you know they got other stuff to worry about so it might be cool something cool to check out it's really cool my whole thing is you know i i want one <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It's a li little, it kind of reminds me of, um, 
it reminds me of those mini Marshall stacks. And that's the, I think that's the main reason why I decided not to buy one for me. Um, I've owned like three or four of those Marshall mini stacks and I never seem to stick with them. And, um, and that's why I didn't do it. But I've heard, like I said, great things. If I ever get my hands on one, I would definitely do a video of it. Um, Gear Sounds says, just made a video where I combined a fuzz with a synth. Okay. I used my HP2. Okay. Fuzz. Oh, it's HP2. Okay. Fuzz by land devices. He's saying it's a pure collating. A pure collating? I'm thinking that's the, what it is. Pure collating. Fuzz. What is it? Technically. I have no idea. That's, I have no idea. Maybe I'll have to watch your video and then see what it is. Uh, fuzz pedals are not really my forte. I have a few fuzzes. I like them. I went through a fuzz thing about 10 years ago-ish. Maybe it was like eight years ago where I never used them before. And then I'm like, I was determined to figure out what they were and why I need one in my life. And uh, for me, I found a few and I like them. Uh, and I haven't tried one since. <laughs> I don't think I've actually bought a fuzz or even had a company send a fuzz pedal in four years, maybe three, probably four. So, um, and, uh, for anyone asking like, what is the fuzz you use? I have like, uh, I have like five or six fuzz pedals, but the ones I actually use, if I use a fuzz pedal, I use, um, the, I mean, I have others, but I'm just telling you the ones I actually use. I have the fuzz, fe- uh, fuzz factory by ZFX. Love that. That's probably the one I use probably the most or second most. I have the, uh, Fuzzopotamus by Taurus Pedals. Um, and I have the, um, um, I don't know what it's called. It's an MXR fuzz pedal. And it's purple. The pedal's purple. I don't see how into fuzz I am. I like fuzz, um, but I don't use it very often. And if I do it, like I said, I've been lazy and just going to fuzz factory. I even have a fuzz pedal from Lawrence and it's really good, but uh, Lawrence Petros. But again, uh, the fuzz factory is just kind of like easy. It's just right there. I just use it. Um, what do we have? We have Matt. Matt wants to know, Matt Fields wants to know, Hey Phil, what's your favorite early Telecaster broadcaster pickup set? Just got the AVRI, sure, 52 Telecasters set. I like it and the tone and I want more of it. Um, I use in my Telecaster set, uh, Telecaster that I currently play the most over. Oh, it's right here. It's it's never like that. This one, I have the Lindy Fraylin blue set. I really like it. So I use that. Uh, in the red telly I have, that's stock. Um, and then I have a bunch of telly pickups. I mean, I probably have 50 different telly pickups. Um, uh, I like all kinds of things about them. I have lace ones. I have uh, uh, Fender Custom Shop ones. <laughs> I have like, just crazy, crazy ones. Um, but uh, I like the Lindy Freeland blue set. I, I like to use it a lot. Uh, Joe says, Hey, Phil recently purchased a 65 Princeton tweed limited. Okay. Uh, with the 12 inch Celestian ceramic speaker. Okay. Love the amp. What's your favorite distortion pedal to pair with your Princeton? My favorite distortion pedal to pair with my Princeton. It's not a distortion. It's overdrive pedal. So just, I'll give you one of each just in case. Okay. Cause some, some players do say that they're different. I mean, they are, but you know what I mean? Some, some consider them the same, some consider them different. I use the 68 LPD. In my Princeton, that pedal, for some reason, just feels at home. So that's the pedal I've been using uh, since the day I got it in the Princeton. Uh, if I don't use that, I'll use my Zen Drive. Again, just light overdrives, kind of like the 68. Or I'll use uh, 
the OD11, um, which is uh, Love Pedal, they don't make it anymore. Um, so, uh, which is like their, I think their copy of a Zen Drive. Lots of Zen Drive copies kind of things. But the 68 is its own thing, but it's like a low overdrive pedal. So I use that. For distortion in that amp, um, because the Princeton's get a little fizzy. I have the 10 inch speaker selection, or, uh, sl- uh, Princeton. So the 10 inch speaker gets really fizzy really fast. So like the 5150, all the high gain pedals, just no moss for me. They just too fizzy. Um, I'll probably, if I'm trying to use something like that, I'll probably use, um, like my pedal pal night train, which is again, a Marshall kind of gain pedal. Those are ones I like for that. Dan says I have a Gibson DC. Okay. With P nineties. Uh, put a SD Seymour Duncan. Okay, so I, I understand where he goes. Double cut. He's got a Gibson double cut with P90s, but he put a Seymour Duncan mini humbucker in the bridge, and I don't love it. I've had that experience with the mini humbuckers. Uh, just looking for something smoother, warmer tone. What should you suggest? Don't stick with the P90s, but find a P90 that's warmer, maybe like a, a P90 uh, humbucker, like what DiMaggio makes or... Uh, uh, I think, does Lindy Fralin make a, a noiseless a P90? I'm pretty sure. Um, but that's what I would go with. Go with a P90 that's kind of noiseless. They'll de- they'll tend to be warmer because there's two coilsless. To be noiseless is technically to be a humbucker. So whether they stack in the coils on top of each other or side by side, you're going to get the same effect. It's just going to it's gonna have a lot more winds, which means it's going to have more resistance, which means more resistance means less highs. It's kind of going to how it's going to go, especially on the P90s. P90s are this weird thing. They, they, there is so much confusion about them. Remember, P90s as a whole are typically have more punch and more output than humbuckers. They just also have more high-end, like high-end frequency response, like a single coil. So to me, if you want a humbucker that's got more high-end definition, more kind of high-end sparkle is how I like to call it, go P90, right? That'll that'll definitely get you where you want to go. If you have a P90 and you find it's too bright and it's not warm enough, go with a noiseless P90. That would definitely dull it down really fast. Just by the definition of, like I said, putting another coil in there, um, whether it's side-by-side or stacked. And then, uh, but the mini humbuckers, um, the mini humbuckers have this weird thing that they do that I love, but also could be a just hellacious pain in the ass, which is they uh, get really mid-rangey and mid-range is great because it makes notes fatter, really kind of, really kind of uh, punches out. It's, it's great, but it also creates this kind of nasal sound that sometimes it depends on the guitar, the amp you're using, all the other effects you're using, uh, you know, everything you're using. You remember, remember your musical instrument is everything. It's the amp, the speakers, the cables, the pedals, the guitar, the pickups. I mean, it's everything that's, you know, acoustic guitar is just an acoustic. You pick it up, that's your instrument. But an electric guitar by definition is not just an instrument by itself. Electric guitar is an instrument with all the other things combined to make the instrument. And those things all interact. And sometimes things that are mid-rangey are great. And sometimes things just pick up this real nasal quality. Something I've really come to learn with doing these pickup videos over the years, uh, but changing out all the pickups and doing stuff is that sometimes a pickup that has this great tone that I like just in the rig that I'm demoing and I have to change out things in the rig because again, it gets too nasally. So all right, uh, next we have D. Sharon, who says, care on. Okay, any luck on getting in line for tech work? Uh, if not, uh, what luthiers would you suggest in the Phoenix area? I like Tim at Atomic Guitars. That's who I recommend a lot because I like Tim. Tim's been on the channel before. 
Uh, Tomic's probably really busy too. Right now, everybody's really busy. My big problem is, as I, I told you, I was dumb enough to start making pickups and that sucks up. I mean, you got to understand, my days break up into like these bricks of sections throughout the day where I'm like, okay, I got to make content and there's so much time for editing, so much time for filming. And then I have all this other work I have to do with where I'm working with companies. That's a lot of meeting time. Then I have repairs. Then I have pickups. You know what I mean? So I break up my time. So I've been trying to balance it. The problem is, is pickups did exactly what I thought they would do. I've been saying this for years. A lot of you guys said, hey, you should make pickups. And I was like, all right, well, I was already kind of doing that, but only specifically through a customer if they asked. So now making some, it literally chunks out. It can chunk out three to four hours a day minimum out of my day, uh, which collectively, if you look at the week, that takes up two to three days of your week. That's half your week. And I've said this before. Uh, I've, I've had, and I've had a few of you very kindly say, oh, you should make some videos. Yes, but I can't, I can't keep up with what I'm doing now. So how am I going to do, you know, how am I going to push more? Um, the, uh, there is a plan though, when that will happen and how that's going to happen. And then that will free up more repair time, but that is what's really killing me. So with repair time, um, so that's the, but I like Tim and Atomic. I like Tim, so I would reach out to Tim anytime. Uh, Matthew says, Guitar Center used listings suck. <laughs> that was eloquently put and very accurate. They try to sell a $1,000 guitar with one to two fo- uh, pot- potato cam photos uh, and a few or no details about the guitar description. Yes, uh, this is true. Absolutely. Look, I don't think anyone who's who's uh, who's ever checked out the uh, Guitar Center use section online has is disagreeing with you. Um, my problem is not only sometimes the photo is really bad. Sometimes you ever see that thing where they you can't expand them any bigger. They're just like tiny, and you're and you can't see for crap. Um, that happens, of course. They kind of quickly do it. It's not their focus. Look, we understand Guitar Center as a whole is trying to still rely rely on their stores and then they i think they i think in their mind they post pictures of the used gear thinking that we'll look online see it and then go to the store maybe that happens i mean it's true we all do look if i'm in a different city i've said this before if i'm in a different city i'll pull up whatever guitar says around just because i can look at those photos um and I think the reason is, and again, I you know I don't work at Guitar Center, so I don't know. But I think the reason they do that is also um, they sell that stuff fast, man. That I mean, let's be clear, their used stuff is. That's what look. There's a reason why we, no matter how crazy Guitar Center is, and we we've, we've talked about all the things that they do wrong. There's a couple things they do right. They do price aggressive. I mean, you can find used gear at Guitar Center many times, uh, and I'm not exaggerating by any means. Uh, to say I have a friend would be just not fair because it's not one friend. I have friends. They literally are the equivalent of when you see people like, you ever see this crap on the internet? I see it all the time uh, where they're like, I go to Walmart and I buy stuff at Walmart and throw it on Amazon and I make millions of dollars. I don't know if that's true, but I see it all the time. I have friends that literally go to Guitar Center, buy up their used gear and then put it on reverb and make money. That's literally what they do. They just find deals. They go online. I, I see it all the time. I, you can go on Guitar Center, see a, a guitar for sale. Somebody is uh, just recently, as the last week or two, pointed out many times that a lot of times it's also because they're putting the wrong specs, the r- wrong guitar, wrong listing. Um, I just saw it the other night. Like I said, when I was trying to exhaust out my gift cards, they had a uh, BC Rich Mockingbird listed as a Warlock. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, it's little silly things like that. So, 
yes, to answer your question, they're crappy, but the benefit is that uh, it's also, I think that's also what uh, doesn't allow them to charge more for the stuff. Because they, for the, for the, I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm sure somebody, because it's the internet, is going to put on a comment down below. Oh, Phil, I saw a guitar that was selling everyone for 300 bucks and they were trying to get six. That's, again, that's the same thing that happens that does the other thing, too. They just, they don't have... Um, and I've experienced it when trading into them. I've had them for everyone who's told me, uh, like I have patrons that have told me that they took his stuff at Guitar Center and Guitar Center asked, offered them like almost nothing for it. Um, but if you're savvy with Guitar Center, you can also figure out how they're going to do that accidentally the backwards way. Like, for instance, um, and that's how I got the gift cards in the first place. I literally had some stuff that no one wanted, but when you looked online, everybody was asking good prices. It just wasn't selling. I took it down to GC and they gave me, you know, half uh, of what it was worth, but they went off these prices that no one was paying uh, because that's, you know, it's a really kind of cookie cutter way of taking in a, a, you know, there's no instinct anymore. And again, and, and I, and I, so you don't think I'm bashing Guitar Center employees. My problem is when I do meet employees at Guitar Center, because there's tons of them that are just smart they know their stuff. They're good people. They don't get promoted. That's not who I see get promoted sometimes. That's not who I see get rewarded. You know what I mean? Um, they usually get frustrated. <laughs> like, right? Dude, you know? Um, and they have a high turnover rate. And the, all those things kind of factor in. So back to this uh, thing. Um, sometimes, like I said, it's plug and play. So there's the good and bad of it is what I'm trying to say. The good is uh, you can get some smoking deals and... The bad is, uh, uh, so there you go. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and, and, uh, Matthew, back to your uh, comment. Uh, yeah, and there's no description. There's no description that, that does drive me a little crazy sometimes. And, and calling the store is very, very difficult for everyone. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I might be a little too sensitive to this because, like I said, I've been a person that had to take calls all day over the phone with customers like, what do you have in your store? I'm like, guitars? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I've been on both sides of it. So that being said, um, it's I, I, I hate calling the store because not only are they kind of like, you know, always in a hurry and they really can't talk. I also understand why they're in a hurry and they can't talk. So I kind of, you know, so I don't know. Grumpy Mike Guitar says, for the tone jar and why not, unless you want it for coffee fun, coffee is necessary to human existence. Yes, thank you for the coffee fund. Uh, I pretty much guaranteed I won't be going to any more coffee shops ever again. With the new coffee maker, I'm here. Um, and I'm going to make coffee here forever. Uh, Harrison says, Phil, my American Pro 2 Strat just came in today. I can't push in or pop Oh, I can't push in the pop-in trim bar even with a good amount of pressure. Is there something blocking it? Um, is it still pushing? Is it <laughs> I'm just asking you. I haven't I haven't actually seen an American Professional 2 Strat our, our guitar yet. Isn't that funny? Like I haven't seen one. I've seen the Ultras. I, look, and I only seen by I mean worked on. Like I I've worked on the Ultra. I've worked on the What's the new Ultra with the black headstock? I did one of those a couple weeks ago. I've done a bunch of the, um, right before the Ultras, whatever that was. Um, I've done all, I've worked on that stuff. I have not physically interacted with a Professional 2 yet at all. 
Um, and it's funny. I I would like to check out the one in that beautiful like uh, aqua color. I don't know what color they call it, but it's beautiful. Um, so I haven't done it. So it should be a push-in trim arm. Should be straightforward. But I don't know. They might have switched back to a threaded trim arm. You would definitely want to take a, want to take a flashlight and look in that hole to make sure. They also could have stuck the wrong bridge in there. I've seen crazier things in the last year. You know what I mean? You got to understand these factories have been you know, push to the limits when it comes to all the, the things going on. So let's not assume that it's the correct bar and the correct bridge. Let's go ahead and make sure. So one of the things you can do is, like I said, take the flashlight on your phone or a flashlight, look inside the hole and look for threading. And that would uh, do it as well. They also could have gave you the wrong trim arm. There's all kinds of scenarios in this. Again, like we talked about earlier, you didn't say where you got it. So maybe they didn't give you the right stuff. That's, in, that's possible too. Um, that, as actually I've seen before where you go into a store, I'm, I'm assuming you probably bought it online, but if you're going into a store where they gave you the case, the Fender case, but they gave you the wrong case and because uh, they just looked in it and it looked right, and maybe that has a different trim arm for a different type of strat from Fender. So I would check those things for sure. Uh, but yes, you're right not to want to force it because uh, it's, not, it's not something that I can't. So the good news is, I'm confirming with you that it's not something like, oh, yeah, just push on it and it'll go. Like, no, it should it should not have that, that problem. The other thing, too, you might want to look at is if it is the push-in tremolo like I think it's supposed to be because uh, that's what the American Pro series is, is that there is on the back of the tremolo, uh, on the back underneath the plate where the block is, there should be a little Allen wrench, uh, 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 Allen screw for your Allen wrench. And somebody might have tightened that too tight. And in there, what that does is that compresses. I think in there is probably a nylon ring and that compresses that ring. And if that's already compressed, then the tremolo arm won't fit in there. So, uh, so there you go. So check that is what I'm saying. Check that also as well. And if you don't know how to do that, um, what I would suggest to you is, uh, go ahead and, I mean, it's, it's tough. I can tell you what I would do. I have, I have like all kinds of tremolo arms that are all different thicknesses so I can stick something in there and kind of tilt that bridge forward. You need to tilt the bridge forward. So find a, a, a safe way to do that, to look underneath the back, the plate in the back. It'll be in the back or on the side of the tremolo block and there'll be an Allen, uh, Allen, wrench, uh, Allen screw for you to adjust. Uh, Hans Victor says, Hey, Phil, do you think the Seymour Duncan Cyclones Filtertron-ish are worth the three times the price of Gretsch Filtertrons? Um, I have not tried them, so I don't know. If I was going to buy a Filtertron-style pickup, I would go with TV Jones. Love their stuff. Um, Filtertrons, though, are another kind of pickup, and I've said this before when it comes to P90s uh, as well. P90s and Filtertrons, by the way that they're created, I have found great success with buying inexpensive ones. <laughs> so whether you go to Guitar Fetish or things like that or those type of places, they tend to have inexpensive ones that still are pretty good. So that's something I, I would check out. But no, I wouldn't pay, uh, what did you say, three times? Is that what you said? Yeah, three times the price. I haven't tried them, so I can't obviously tell you that's a good good decision or not. But if I was going to pay that kind of price, I'd get TV Jones. That brand is, they dude, they make great Filtertron-style pickups. Meester says, did you say something, wait, did you say something you're going to do an Evertune review? Yes. Uh, it says, or am I wishful thinking? Love to hear your take. Uh, hopefully you had a great birthday. Yes, I'll eventually be doing that. There's That's coming too. You know, you know how it goes. It's just, I got to, you know, film, edit, put together, put it out, film, edit, put together, put it out, and then hope that the other things don't factor in. Yep. Eventually we get to everything. 
<laughs> um, so I, I'll, that's my way of saying I don't have it. It's not so. It's not like I can say it's coming out like Tuesday. It's not not that fast. Not that coming that fast. Um, Thunder Falcon did a super chat for no reason. I thank you for that, buddy. Tony said guitars are like children. All right, I want to hear this one. Uh, they're going to go to college and cost you a ton of money. No, they are. They all have their own character. Yeah, that would be true. Uh, I have an Indonesian squire that plays and sounds as good as my main America Strat. I've seen that a million times as well, and vice versa. Yep. I don't know how or why. It just does. I refer to them as uh, Weds or Thursday guitars. Wednesday or Thursday guitars. Yeah, of course. Like I, you know, that's real popular in the, you know, back in the day in car industry. Like I got a car made on a Monday. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's really the the the, the core of it, right? I mean, the, re- the reality is the world changed on us and we're adapting to it and we're working with it, which is it used to be so easy. You just went into a music store and you picked up some guitars and when you found one that just spoke to you, that's, that's the one. And the problem isn't that there's, you know, that there's not stores for you to walk in anymore. There's tons of great stores across the country, uh, mom and pop stores everywhere. The problem is, is that you don't have to settle and you know that, which means when you walk in a store and they have five strats and you pick one up and you go, okay, I think I like this one the best is five. That works for some players, but some players go, well, but this is the best of these five, but I still don't love it because it's not the color I want. And you used to be like, you know, that's it. Remember those conversations you had your friend? You'd be like, oh, I got a new strat. And you're like, what color? And you go, oh, black. And they go, oh, I thought you wanted a white one. And you're like, oh, they didn't have white. So you got black. <laughs> Now, because you can buy online, you can find exactly what you want. But finding, you know, the guitars are just not so homogenized that they're just going to be the same. Not in most cases. So, yeah, it's true. And, you know, machines are making it better. The CNC machines are making it more consistent, but still not perfect. So, anyways, Meester said... Oh, more Meester. Meester did another one. Meester said... Uh, obsession over high-end PRS topwood seems conspicuous. Uh, okay. Too much form over function. Lovely, but seems douchey. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's, uh, that's just something I would say. Um, <laughs> uh, to about myself. Look, like I said, I am guilty of many things. That's why I always love it when somebody gets mad and un- unsubscribes the channel on these live shows because I said something. Very rarely do I call anything out that I haven't done myself. Um, you know, look, we're not all, we're not perfect creatures. <laughs> we definitely, this is not an environment. If you're a logical person and you want all your guitar playing to be logical and your life to be logical, uh, you know, I don't know how to relate to that. <laughs> this, this is all just emotional for me. Like uh, like you're uh, like fronting as the kids say, like you're fronting, yes. Okay, you know, Meester, it's a great point. Uh, on, and I don't want to pick on just PRS. I mean, not for any other reason than, you know, because I do think for some reason, when I think of the ultimate, like, you know, the fancy top guitars, when I think of them, I think of PRS. Even though it's funny, it's funny that PRS, interesting enough, I always think it's funny that PRS is like who we kind of think of when we think of those really fancy wood tops. When to me, Carvin, not even Kiesel, back in the day, Carvin, do you guys remember all the carbon guitars? Those wood tops were, 
they would put they put private stock PRS to shame. And that was just guitars were making. Every time you turn around, there was some lavish, beautiful quilted guitar and some cool color. Carvin probably had the most beautiful wood tops I've probably ever seen uh, consistently. Um, but back to the whole fancy. Look, I have a friend. He said this great thing. I love it. He said, I'm not into fancy furniture. And sometimes fancy guitars remind me of fancy furniture. It's a great quote, by the way. Um, and Because when he said that, I knew exactly what he meant. And actually, just so we're on the same page, he actually said that quote when we were at a PRS event in 2018. We were walking and they were looking at the private stocks. We we're walking down a row of probably, I don't know, 100 private stocks or something, 50. Or, there were so many. And it, we were talking to each other about why we didn't get that. I get why people like it. I just don't get it. If you look at my guitars, even my PRS right here, this blue one, it's not like, woo, right? The one Nathan made me is pretty, pretty exciting. Um, but most of my guitars you see are painted. It's just not, you know, I'm not into that um, as a look. But I totally understand why you would be. A beautiful piece of wood is like a piece of art. You know what I mean? And But like art, you have to, you have to like that. So, yeah. Um, yes. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> There's, uh, I've called, like I said, I called it out, uh, called it a couple times a, a couple weeks ago when I said it's like pretentious, right? Sometimes you're pretentious. I feel like I said, some guitars I have are pretentious. I just wanted them. I know what they mean when I have them. But ultimately, deep down, they're just part of my life experience as a guitar player and playing guitars and stuff. Like I said, at home, when I'm at home, not literally in my house, I mean at home with a guitar, I like the guitars that are just very basic i like strats i like tellies i like sgs i'm drawn to this average kind of playing you know average guitars not the exotic ones um but i don't know that to be 100 true and that's why i experiment with like more expensive kind of crazy guitars to see where i feel on this so um which is why i like Schachter guitars all the time i think they're just kind of like straightforward it's everything you wanted from prs but you don't have to pay all the money and you don't have to get all that weird exotic stuff Bradley says, no questions, get a beer or some strings on me. Finally became a patron. I appreciate that. You know, uh, as you guys know, the patrons support this live show every week. It may not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. Um, I, I, you know, I specifically the patrons, whether you guys realize it, I, you know, obviously you guys super chats. This is great. Um, this live show is fun for me. This podcast is fun for me. I hope it's fun for you. But realistically, it's grown and it's grown to a point where, you know, I've just did my second, uh, second no. In other words, I've now twice had to tell, I've now told two companies no to sponsoring the, the podcast. Um, they want to sponsor it like for the year. Um, and so it's just like a Joe Rogan podcast every like 20 minutes. I gotta be like brought to you by, and, and it's great. Cause I go like, no, it's, 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 it's sponsored by, by the patrons and by the super chats. And it's our, it's our show. Uh, and I like it that way. And if, you know, in a perfect world, I've told you, in a perfect world, I wouldn't work with companies at all, which is probably when I say that, probably why a lot of companies don't want to work with me. <laughs> I'm laughing because I just know, you know, like sometimes, but the re but I'm pretty upfront with the companies. Like I work with companies as much as I can tolerate because obviously I can't, the channel's not huge. If it got, if I got a, you know, if I got 200,000 views per video, you don't need millions, but if you got hundreds of thousands of views per you know, video and I was pulling, you know, money to where I can pull in the money 
pay bills and then buy all this gear and literally review it and stuff, I would totally do it. It'd be a dream come true. I don't know how to get there. I've never seen a channel be able to pull it off. The only channels that come close are the channels that own their own, like Anderton's. They, they literally have to sell you this stuff to do that. But, uh, and so, like I said, but deep down, that's like where I would like to be. So right now it's as simple as I do as much non-sponsored content as I can. And when I do have sponsors involved, they pretty much have to play the, to our games. Um, so I'm just reading comments as I'm talking, which is always a bad idea. Um, but, um, uh, <laughs> they, I'm just read, uh, reading some of you guys' comments. But like I said, well, you know, like I said, if we get there, I, I do, I, I, find, I found the balance for me over the years. I like it. Like I said, we'll keep pushing towards uh, like this, the live show. I like to be 100% fan funded. It'd be awesome. But, uh, but you probably want me to answer questions. Let's see. Jeffrey, I want to read your comment. I love this comment. It's probably the most common comment I've ever read, and I totally understand it, man. He says, I want to like PRS, but can't. I just can't. Uh, you know what? I think that I've heard that the most. The uh, reason why I like that comment, well, what a beautiful comment. I, I've heard it not only with PRS, but mostly PRS. I've heard it with Gibson. I've heard it with Fender. Like, I want to like those things. I find that so, so, I want to say refreshing, so refreshing so, so what a great way to explain a situation. Like, I want to like this. I just don't get it. Right. <laughs> okay. Like, like, like you're talking about sushi. Like I want to like sushi. I just tried it and I just don't get it. I understand that. And you know what? And, and the point of that is, is this PRSs are just not that great. And SIRs are just not that great. Fenders are just not that great. And Gibsons are just not that great. They are they're good and there's things to like about them. And you just find, the, don't worry about that. Find the thing you like. There are just, there are certain guitars I just don't, I same thing as you. Um, you know, I want to like them, but I just don't. I'm trying to think of a guitar that I want to like that I just don't. And I'm probably, let me try to think of an example, good example, so I can be on the same same page as you. What's a guitar that I want to like? Because not the guitar I, di- I don't like. I'm talking about a guitar I want to like, but I just don't. I'm going to say BC Rich for me. Like, I want to like them. <laughs> you know what? Every time I, 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 I look at BC Rich on Reverb and online, probably two to three times a week, I look at them. <laughs> I look at the pointy ones, the Warlocks, right? All the wacky stuff, the, the War Beast, the Beast, the Virgin, the Bitch, the, you know, all of them, the Mockingbird. And I go, oh, and, and I put them in my watch thing and i think i want them and for some reason i've owned a couple beast rich over time just never found it never found one that just i don't i don't i just don't want to bond with it but i want i want to like them because to me they're just so outrageously indifferent there's you know even though they're kind of 80s now they're still just different it's like look all my guitars look like the same damn guitar over and over again sometimes i get a little old <laughs> you know you can only paint a strat so many colors before you're like okay it's just a strat um Oh, Beast Rich 581 says I can't like Rick basses. That's another one too. Rickenbacker. Like I said, I had a Rickenbacker guitar. I've never owned a Rickenbacker bass. I've just worked on them. Um, don't enjoy working on the dual truss rod. <laughs> when I say don't enjoy it, I mean it's fine. It's just, you know, it's not, not fun. Um, and uh, yeah, same thing. Want to like them. Love the way they sound. I mean, like I said, I, I, I appreciate them is what I'm trying to say. I appreciate them. Just they don't do it for me when I play them. So... 
Uh, so yeah. So the reason I tell you that uh, is that don't don't say it uh, apologetically is what I'm trying to say. I, I think you did it with uh, with uh, like I said, you did it with class. You say, look, I want to like this, I just don't. You didn't say anyone that likes this is a moron. Eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way to think of it. Um, PRS is a guitar company I've said many times. I'm at odds with PRS guitars all the time in the idea that I don't love the core guitars. Uh, I like their pickups. I like uh, I like the way they sound. I do. I actually like the way PRS guitars sound. Um, I'm not really into the whole, like I said, the fancy wood thing doesn't really do it for me. And I don't like the volute little carved thingy on the arm. That's not my thing. So like I said, I like my S2. I like my Mira. Um, I like those more so, um, the one Nathan made for me where they took down the, the edge a little bit, uh, they took it down. It's not as pronounced. I don't know if I said it in the video, but it's not. And, um, and, uh, yeah. And like I said, don't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if one day soon you see that all my PRSs are gone besides my S2s, Miras, the one Nathan made me. That's pretty much it. You know what? Uh, the SE hollow body, uh, Carol, uh, is saying, I love the SPRS SE hollow body. I don't really care what other people like or don't like. <laughs> Isn't playing guitar about making yourself happy. Yes. Uh, yeah. He says, why waste mental energy on something that doesn't appeal to you? Sure. Of course. But you, great point. But, uh, it's because it's not so simple. I think all the time, it's a discovery process is what I'm trying to say. I love, I love that you could live decades on this planet doing something you love, like playing an instrument, and still not really have a 100% clue on what you like and don't like still. I find that fascinating to me. Uh, I, I love that. You know, one of the things that appeals to me about music is the same thing that appeals to me about guitar. Sure, do I love certain types of music? Absolutely. Do I like certain bands? Absolutely. Do I love certain type of guitars? Absolutely. But man... I hope you never will probably I'll finish up a couple of super chats and then we'll end on this note. I hope you never in your life lose the feeling of what, of what it's like to discover new music. That feeling, whether you're 16 or 60 feels the same. It's like a new, new music is amazing. In fact, as you get older, older, as we all know, as you get older, it gets harder to find the new music because as you've heard all the good music, you've heard it. Discovering to me a new pedal, a new guitar, a new amp, new music, man, it's it's a drug. There's no other drug like it for me. There's just nothing like it. It just, it's amazing. And it happens just so spontaneously. You can try. I try to fake it happen, <laughs> but it just doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, Groovy, Groovy Music Lesson says, do you think PRS would ever do a signature pointed guitar? You know, you know what, Scott, they did this, they made some wacky guitar for Tremonti. If you Google it and look, PRS guitars is, is, and I don't want to say, cause I don't want to put Fender in the same boat, but they're kind of the same boat, but they're definitely in the same boat as Gibson. PRS guitars is not going to innovate at this point, in my opinion, right? <laughs> they're just going to do what Gibson, you know, what Gibson does, and what Fender does. They're just going to, they're going to rest on the laurels. Look, we already see it with Marshall. All the, you know, the, the all the big players, they kind of, they, they dominate the market. They sell the one thing that works. And 
And uh, and if anything, PRS has been going backwards for many years. And I always like funny. I always get so much crap from people whenever I talk about anything about PRS that's negative. Isn't that funny? But it's true. Like I said, PRS's biggest innovations in guitars in the last five years has been they came they came made a Les Paul and they made a Strat. I'm just waiting for the PRS Telly, <laughs> right? Um, you know, uh, say what you will about Paul and PRS guitars. <clears throat> if I don't lose my voice, hold on. Now you mean suspense, dude? The five thirteen and guitars like that. At least he was pushing in envelopes. Um, he was doing different things, you know. And and I'm not saying he doesn't do anything now. I'm just saying they as a company, you can tell as companies get successful, they do what's smart for them, which is to go, okay, everybody wants this and we're going to make lots more of that. And everybody, and then what they do is they go, well, what else do people buy that we don't make? And they go, oh, <laughs> apparently they go, people buy strats. Then we'll make strats, right? You know, Paul, if you really look at the PRS guitars since in the last decade, they started coming out with acoustics. Remember they were doing their high-end, crazy, expensive American acoustics? If you look at what they were doing with acoustics, they were trying to really kind of make high-end, innovative acoustics. And then again, that, that went to the wayside for whatever reason. And then it's back to this. And again, we, you know, we like those brands. We like what they're doing. But, you know, the jugger. Oh, the juggernaut says, I love the Starla. Perfect example. I think, I think when I think of PRS, I think of the Starla, the Vela, I think the Mira, mostly the Vela and the Starla. Unique, right? I mean, the Starla had those uh, cool, like, Filtertron-esque kind of pickups, a Bigsby bridge on it. It was different vibed. And again, it didn't do very well, and that's what big companies do. If it doesn't do well, very well, it goes away. It just goes away. There's no world where... It could live, <laughs> right? The Starlas now have to be uh, an SE, an import model, which is fine. But, I mean, there's no S2 Starla, which I'm like, well, maybe they do have an S2 Starla. I thought they got rid of it. If I'm wrong, I apologize for that because I thought they got rid of it because I can't keep track of what they're getting rid of right now, S2s. Hold on. This is the Vela, yes. By the way, the Vela is the guitar I think I want the most right now from them. Um... One God 777 did a super sticker. All right. We're going to cinch this up. We have uh, three super chats, which is Jeff, Mike, and Gil. Gil said, happy belated birthday. Have a beer on me. I will do that. <laughs> so the uh, where I live, and again, you know, the whole world's gone bat shit crazy. And, uh, you know, and uh, it's tough. But where I live, they took away the mask uh, restrictions uh, for the gym. And um, so I'm back in the gym. I've been back in the gym for the last week. Uh, every day. I go every day. Uh, like I was doing before COVID. I had dropped like 20, 30 pounds right before COVID. <laughs> it's perfect timing, right? Feeling great. Going the right. And uh, so anyways, my, that's my point. When you're mentioning beer is um, I have uh, no beer because I've got to you know, do the gym thing, but I might have beer tonight <laughs> to say success. But yeah, so it's nice. So I'm hoping, like I said, I hopefully get to stay in the gym. i really do not enjoy going outside this time of year here. It's uh, when it's hot. 
Uh, Mike says, hey, Phil, any opinion on a Seymour Duncan 78 thinking of swapping it uh, for my JB? Uh, for one, I've heard it's a little less output. Thanks. That's not how – probably accurate, but that's not how I would think of it. The 78 is really like their their take on uh, the Eddie Van Halen. I guess Eddie Van Halen – I guess the story goes like Eddie Van Halen had Seymour make this pickup. He didn't do an endorsed model. But, you know, they made it. Uh, I've, I've played the 78. I've put 78s in the guitars. I like it. Uh, again, not as low. The, to me, the JV is real full because it's got a lot of low-end punch. And some people don't like that. They call it muddy. Uh, some, you know, some, people, some players don't like it to their ear. To me, here's what I would tell you is this. If you like the JV, I would not do the 78. I think you're fine. But if you don't love your JB, the 78 might be the thing for you. Because that's what I would, so as a suggestion, if somebody said, hey, I got, I got a guitar, it's got a JB, don't love it, what do you suggest? 78. I'd go with it. It's a cool pickup. Uh, Jeff says, great show. Oh, thanks. Considering uh, first, oh, his first Gibson. Okay. Either a gold top 54 or a junior with a... A wraparound bridge. Any intonation concerns with wraparound versus ABR bridges? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> wraparound bridges can can be a nightmare. Although, as I always point out, everyone on the internet is going to tell you ten different things. So I understand that. Let me. So I'll give you this, and then you'll get nine other answers. Um, although I would tell you that wraparound bridges are problematic, just like three saddle bridges on Telecasters. I also have to also mention that those same bridges are on amazing albums. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so for one person could say hey, this is a problem. For other people, they just made great music on it. Um, I have no issues with the wraparound bridge. However, what I will tell you is, is that it also depends on the gauge of strings you use, whether you use a wound uh, G or not uh, plain G string, uh, your, your tuning, what you're doing with that. I would not put a whole lot of worry into it is what I'm saying, but be prepared that if that's something you're concerned about, you could always go with a, uh, intonatable, uh, wraparound bridge. So there you go. I would, uh, that's something to think about. They, uh, it's kind of funny, right? <laughs> like I said, remember my favorite guitar is my Mira. I mean, that's the guitar I play the most and it's a one piece wraparound bridge. I've never had a problem with it. So, there you go. Okay, Meester says Villa Vela's, he's talking about the PRS Vela, look like Donables. I don't know what that is. So I'm gonna oh now I'm curious. I can't let you guys go until I I Google this. <laughs> I'm thinking Donables, I think I don't know what this is. Oh, it's gotta be a guitar because when I put up Donables, the guitar comes up. Really? Yeah, let me share. Ooh, look at that. He's saying the Vela looks like this. Sure. It, to me, the Vela, uh, like this, is this 60s kind of, you know, weird kind of vibe, cool, different guitar. That'd be how I explain it. So I can see that. The thing I like about Vela is, you know, if you can pick them up for, if you pick them up used, you can get a good deal on them. They look great. I think they play great. So, like I said, I'm still thinking about getting one. But I'm not getting anything unless something goes. <laughs> so, like I said, I don't know what would be on the chopping block right now. And uh, 
as I just told somebody yesterday, somebody was talking about a pedal and they were suggesting a pedal to me. Uh, and I, I said, I'd love to get a pedal, but I got videos to make on the pedals. I got pedals at the house I got to make videos on. So it's hard to, to, you know, one of the drawbacks, not, not a complaint by any means, but one of the drawbacks of doing this gig is sometimes you're like, oh, I want to get something new, but you're like, oh, I probably should take the stuff that it, I got to do videos and do videos with it first. I don't have time for that. Brian says that guitar looks like a relish guitar. I think all those kind of guitars in that same vein kind of vibe. So vibe. All right. On that note, I'm going to call it. Thank you guys. Um, I th- hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys ha- enjoyed hanging out. Uh, obviously we'll be doing it next Friday as well. And uh, thank you guys so much for all the kind birthday wishes. And I hope you guys enjoyed the updates and everything. Like I said, and uh, I hope you have a great weekend and you play some guitar. <laughs> That's what I would recommend. In fact, as soon as this is over, go start playing guitar. All right, guys, on that note, thank you so much for your time. Till the next time, know your gear.